Hey everyone, today is Thursday the 23rd of May 2019, this is The Gap episode 468, I'm Luke Laurie, Joe Bureau is on holidays, but that's alright because we got Nathan Lawrence to fill in today, how you on Nate? I'm feeling weird being on uh, camera, not going to lie to you, what, am I supposed to look at the camera while I talk so it looks like I'm actually talking to you or the audience, is that how it works? I uh, My camera is a little bit, like it's up there, um, and I look at my screen because I'm generally looking at you, Yeah. or the other right? person. Because you're being respectful of my image. Or even it's a little bit to the right because I don't put it in the middle because I've got to see what we're talking about. Yeah. Webcams <laughs> then, are weird. Yeah. And then I'll look to the right. Like, if you see me looking to the right, it's because I'm looking at our production to make sure it's still working. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I've, uh, I've tried to shut down all my distractions so that I should just be staring straight ahead. But we'll, we'll see how that goes when Pat, Pat inevitably will interrupt. Causing chaos in the background. Your cat's looking very chill in the background, though. Uh, which one? That one. There's also another one here that you just can't see. Like, just oh, behind. The chill-out couch. Yes, yes. Uh, anyway. Hey, go on, man. You started a new podcast. I did. Oh, man. We're leading with that. Fuck yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's called Here's My Movie. Yep. Uh, you can find it at heresmymovie.com. I had to open the tab up on the right because I thought I'd forget it. <laughs> Amazing. I can't, like, if you go search for Here's My Movie on Google, you won't find us. If you go search for Here's My Movie podcast on Google, you won't find us yet. We'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, it's a movie podcast. Uh, we review movies, uh, we being me and my lovely girlfriend, Katie. Is also a movie buff, um, and our little point of difference is that instead of just criticizing it and tearing it to shreds, or even mm. for movies that we love, the idea is that it's like okay, if we were creating this movie, or if we got to do a do-over of this movie, what would we change? How what would we do differently? And sometimes it's it's little things, yeah, um, but often it's it's big things, and yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. We've done five five episodes. Jesus, I'm glad I had that open. I almost blanked on that. Uh, and we're, yeah, looking to record weekly, but with travel and sickness and stuff, it, as mm. I'm sure you guys know, it uh, becomes a challenge sometimes to pump out weekly content. We don't miss podcasts on here. Yeah. What do you do when you're sick? You just cough. You cough your way through it. Um, I mean, luckily, we, we generally have a whole week to work on. Yeah. If the problem comes when we leave it to like the Wednesday or the Thursday and someone starts getting sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, usually that's that's a bit of an issue. We did miss a podcast a couple of weeks back when um, we were going through the whole Borderlands stuff because we were preparing to go on that trip and so we hadn't played anything. Um, nothing had come out really. And that I think that's the first one we've missed in probably a couple of years. That must have felt weird. Yeah. Um, like we have our break during Christmas where we take uh, you know three weeks, four weeks off. Um, and then come back and we're like, we played the fucking forest. It was amazing. Cause that's, that's what we it, do every, every Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was on the last one, uh, for last year and it was, uh, you know, a couple of hours, I think it was, it was short like 10 hours for us. I still wake up screaming with, uh, nightmares <laughs> of that. Whenever the, you guys ask me, Hey, do you want to be on the show? I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't know. If and it's I can't months. believe it's been six months. I've done well. <laughs> You've avoided us. So yeah. Done yeah. pretty well. But now Job's away, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's cool, man. Uh, interesting podcast. So you've done things like Terminator. Uh, Alien? Did you do Alien? No, no. We've done Terminator, Last Jedi, Prometheus, ah, Prometheus. Shazam, and Us. We kind of... Bit of mix. Start, 
Well, when we started it, the newer movies were like kind of ripe for this this kind of format, and so we did those. But the intention was always to do the older movies. Um, right. So there's things that people have seen, so there's less concerned because obviously we go deep on spoilers. Uh, so yeah, we don't really want to ruin anyone's viewing experience. And I think that starting out with those, while timely, uh, mm. wasn't like yeah, it was definitely not what we wanted to to gun for. So it's we've got a list of something like sixty, maybe seventy movies that we want to do that are all kind of like classics, ranging from utter trash fire movies to you know middling and average to even some ones on there that. I think Katie's added that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's like, that's perfect. <laughs> so Alien it'd be 3. interesting. Obviously, that, that was what I was thinking of. He's read my mind. Alien yeah. 3, the, the perfect Alien movie. David Fincher's Alien 3. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's how they introduce it, right? David Fincher presents from the Twisted Mind. Well, he was a nobody back then, wasn't he? That was his first yeah. feature, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. And he came from music videos or something? He's yep. had an okay career since. It didn't uh, didn't hurt him too much doing Alien Three. Hmm. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I know we've we've been pimping out quite a bit, so hopefully oh, thank things, you. things go well for you on there. We've started um, pimping you guys too. Like, yeah. Oh, right. smack that I'm like sure button. Those those you know ten <laughs> or twenty people that are regularly listening to us will hopefully jump over here too. Nice, nice. Um, well, we've got a lot to talk about, um, surprisingly, you being on the show. But uh, I've Maybe actually got a bunch of stuff here as well, which is um, unusual because usually around this time of the year, it can be a bit slow and not really much happening. And I guess some of the stuff we've got here is just old stuff, some new stuff, things that are coming um, with E3 around the corner. So, yeah, it should be um, there's a lot here. So let's let's kink into it. I might start off with um, let's start off with Mordhau. Have you been playing? I haven't played it since that first night that we jumped in um, at like midnight. <laughs> we were pretty for, boozed. Yeah, we were boozed yeah. up, and I think there was three of us playing, and we were running around and whatnot. Um, I think you know my feelings on it. Like I, at the time, it seemed like it was leaning towards. This style of play where the people that have played it more are sort of have been rewarded in terms of like getting extra gear and being able to put like abilities together and whatnot. Yeah. And like the, the sort of normal classes seem to be a bit less powerful because you were running up, running up against all these different enemy types being like, all right, what, what's bloodlust? What is that? Why is everybody running with bloodlust all the time? Um, like I felt like we could hold our own way, but it felt like that there was still a bit of like that feeling of the more you played it, the, you know, you've got an advantage over somebody else. Obviously like I'm talking about skill levels and whatnot, but you'd still want it to sort of be like an open play field. Like if I started a brand new game and someone else has been playing for 20 hours, I don't want them to have more powerful gear than me. Yeah. And they definitely didn't really push that whole angle of creating your own custom class up front. And it's something that, even another couple of PlayStations afterwards, I hadn't really mucked around with because I thought it was going to be too intimidating and yeah. there's a whole lot of options. But the, the more you dig into it, the the cleverer it is. Like they've uh, made the gameplay impacting stuff bold when it comes to your appearance so that you can't like, oh, do I have to put armor on every bit? And yeah. they've got that, um, what was that Call of Duty thing that Treyarch introduced, like pick 10 or whatever? Yeah, They've kind of got that idea going on with a limited number of points and that that particular thing that you mentioned that perk bloodlust which did you figure out what it does by the way 
Yeah, at the moment, unless they changed it, whenever you kill somebody, you get full health back. Which is a massive deal, especially when we're playing together, you know, and and you're coming up against this one dude and you see him covered in blood and he just cuts your buddy down. You're like, oh, go for it. You know, go for the kill because he's almost dead. And then it's like, nope, he's immediately gone back to 100% health. So, yeah, so definitely uh, it changes things. And and not having transparency on that, they didn't really touch on it in the tutorial, was, was odd. It definitely was odd. I think I would have preferred to start in a server that was just like you said, the idea of like just default default classes versus default classes or even a noob playing ground. Yeah. Uh, not that that impacted the enjoyment for me. It definitely created more of a skill gap and more moments of screaming bullshit. Like, what? He should yeah. be fucking dead. How many times do we have to hit this guy? Dice. Yeah, fucking <laughs> dice, which is just the go-to phrase. Uh, but that the cool thing is that like, we were still having fun, right? Like out of the gate, still having fun, still plenty of opportunities to stab people in the back and, you know, get on a horse and do some, some crazy stuff. Right. Uh, I'm a big, I used to be a big chivalry fan. Like mm. I put in way too many hours into that. Um, buddy of mine used to come over and I'd put together a Frankenstein computer so that we could play like together in the same servers. And we've probably collectively sunk three or 400 hours into that game, usually drunk. Uh, that, is very much Mordhau that game, but the difference is that the developers decided to not address glitches. There were glitches that were discovered and, or maybe even introduced, that allowed people to kind of have unfair advantages, and they'd be able to hit you over the back of their head by swinging certain ways. So you'd come up behind them, and they'd be hitting you, or mm. they would do rainbow strikes. I think was the term, and they'd they'd spin around in a certain way, and it would exploit the you know, the trajectory of their sword to make it like kind of like a 360 degree thing. So it just kind of became a bit farcical. Like it went from what felt like this really well-balanced medieval combat simulator in that you had to, blocking wasn't a timing thing. I mean, that was part of it, but you also had to have the center of their weapon in your screen. So you're kind of like flicking your aim around plus timing. So there was definitely a skill gap to this thing where I'm pretty sure the developers even ended up saying like, we're not patching it out. We're not patching out these glitches and they mm. almost treated it like it was like oh, something yeah, that you yeah. had to learn. Like, which I think in games like, you tribes. know, tribes <laughs> yeah, or, or even bunny hopping to a certain extent and counter strike, yeah. even that, I mean, that got too far. Or Quake, something like that. Apex legends has a form of bunny hopping. Now I understand it too, right? Like when you're healing. Yeah. Go- I feel like they should change that part though. I think they will get rid of it though, right? But like yeah. for now, that's not super game breaking for me. Like that's still manageable. Mm. But when it utterly impacts your ability to do damage and whether you're looking at someone and you're behind them and they're hitting you when they're not looking at you, it just felt dumb. And so they, they hardline on refusing to fix it, like ruin that for me. I just like, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this game because the servers were just full of dipshits doing that. Fast forward to Mordhau and I was very you know, cautious of it. And so I read, read through the reviews and people straight up addressed that and said, if you hated the glitches of chivalry, this is for you. And I mean, it was on what? Mostly positive Yeah, on Steam and we bought it. And usually I'll not be interested in those kinds of games, like 40 bucks, wasn't it? I think mm. the investment for an indie game that might be dead, you know, tomorrow. But the more I read up on it, the more I developer videos that I watched and, and they even devs were saying like, we removed this feature that we liked because it was too exploitable. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So they're actually interested in making the combat fair. And yeah, there's a skill gap in the ceiling and all that sort of stuff. But they didn't want glitches to rule. And, and you'll notice that as soon as like for having come from Chivalry, you run up behind someone and they do this swing and you like instinctively try to back off. Oh, they're going to hit me. And they just don't. Hmm. It doesn't register any damage. And you're like, okay, 
cool. And that becomes part of, you know, the, the dance of like being like, if you're going to expose your back to something, you're probably going to get stabbed in the back. I mean, we were playing the, the front lines mode, right? Which is like battlefield 64 players. Yeah. Uh, and mayhem, but like within that mayhem, you can still have a lot of fun. If you're like, depending, it didn't matter what class you were playing, like as an right. archer, I mean, you were cleaning up as an archer, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I was just shooting everybody basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, and depending on what team you play, like if you're playing on blue team and they get covered in blood, they look red. So look great anyway. Friendly Sounds fire like... happens, happens quite a bit. The chat is utterly toxic. <laughs> Just like turn that off. Yeah. Uh, there's not a very helpful community, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of fun to be had. Right. Um, and you can start on jewels. I think Joby preferred jewels. Yeah. Like if, which is probably a better introduction than what we did was jumping in the deep end on front lines. But I think the most fun uh, was was front lines, especially because it's got it definitely has that battlefield feeling, particularly with like destructibility. And, you know, you'll go to throw a spear at one dude and a horse will run past and you hit the spear. You like knock the guy off instead and like stuff like that. It's like, whoa, like those only in battlefield moments they used to say is like there's kind of a bit of that going on in Mordhau. Sure. Yeah. Um. I guess we didn't mention what Mordhau is if you've not heard of it, but it's just like a medieval um, first-person fighting game. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can go third-person, but I never did that. Oh, can you? Yeah, you hit P and it snaps to third-person. Right, I didn't know that. I've been watching a bunch of videos. I've seen some people using it, but it doesn't really... I mean, obviously, the field of view comes back a little bit more, but it doesn't really seem to be that advantageous in fact like there are points where your body obviously gets in the way of what you're looking at in terms right. of where their weapon is so yeah I, I just didn't really see the benefit maybe when you're on horseback but outside yeah. of that nah can you see behind you though or to the side because that's important it just no it just, like pulls the field of view back a little bit more so you've got more vision on this left and right but no you couldn't yeah it was pretty close up so you couldn't really see anyone who was behind you and stuff like that not like battlefield with its the way that it handles third person with tanks hmm. where if someone's in third person and you sneak up behind them the turret starts spinning you're like yeah okay they're in third person like be in first person you bastard yeah i never liked that in battlefield <laughs> well they, i think i think it should be set to like what you can see I think they should be able to drive in third person, but whenever they shoot, they have to be in first person, like aiming right. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like remove the reticule entirely. And that way it, f it forces them to, if they're going to stop in camp to go to first person mm. and maybe to paranoid, you know, be paranoid and jump back to third person every once in a while. But there's definitely certain maps. I mean, like Panzer Storm and Battlefield five, where they just, they snipe, they play like snipers. And I think that's not how the tanks were meant to be played. Mm. Um, and it kind of makes it really boring. I mean, it makes them plain bait. But yeah, when you chance upon one and you want to kill it and it's just the turret starts turning around and they drop their minds and their smoke because they've been fighting in third person. So they see you. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's particularly fair. No. Um, speaking of Battlefield, go off on a little sidetrack. Did you read the new changes today that are coming out? I did read the patch notes. Yeah. Uh, stepping away from uh, attrition. Right. I know, it's pretty big. I think that's a core component of this battlefield. Attrition? Yeah. I Yeah, I, I've noticed a couple of uh, YouTubers that I follow have gone all inflammatory on it, you know, like, oh, about a dice is killing, killing mm. uh, attrition. I'm like, they're really not. In fact, for me, and I, did, I don't think it works for the ammo crate. I think it only works for the medic crate, right? Is that what you read they've, as well? No, they've got an ammo crate and a medic crate change. 
Yeah, yeah, but you can grab ammo off people's backs. Right. But for the, for the medic crate, you can drop it, and it has a field Heal of effect rates. where it heals. Yeah. I'm okay with that, if only because the uh, crate medic crate was fucking useless. Yeah. And with the new system of you, well, not the new system. It's taken from Battlefield Hardline, the only good thing it introduced, which was you could grab, you know, supplies from, from medics. People. Yeah. Yeah, which was good because on pub servers, you know, people are douchebags and they're selfish. So that was a cool feature, but you have to have the crate and there's no point incentive. And the best mm. way to, to get people to do stuff in Battlefield is to incentivize them with points. Uh, and that's usually what they do pretty well. So I'm glad that they're not getting rewarded for that. But it still would have meant then why am I picking the medic crate over the bandages, which you can, you know, Kobe and Unlimited and they don't yep. seem to have a cooldown like the crate. So they've actually made the crate more viable. But I don't think that, yeah, I can see that it's a step, like a slight step away from attrition. But I don't think that that changes any of the other ways that you interact with stuff. Um, and I think it's a positive step because, yeah, that crate was, there was no point to have it outside of challenges. Hmm. You're a bad medic if you had it because people would be asking for health and you're like, oh, it's on a cooldown, bro, and you can't see that and I look like a jackass. Yep. I think I used it once or twice and I'm like, never again <laughs> for challenges. No, I think ammo crate is fine, but the medic crate was pretty useless. Well, the ammo crate gave you uh, special, Equipment. like the gadget yeah. stuff. Yeah, it didn't give you grenades, which was good because battlefields had a grenade spam problem for far too long and i think they've curbed it pretty fucking well with battlefield 5 even from launch so there was definitely a reason to pick the ammo crate but there was never a reason to pick the uh, medic crate but now if like if people want to lock down an area or they're defending and you kind of drop it and they can duck down and heal i'm like, I'm like okay i can make sense of that right yeah, man. Um, the other changes where they added some new stuff into... I feel like they were the two big ones that I saw. Um, they added some some more stuff into Firestorm, like some extra areas. Yeah. Um, but in saying cool. that, like, Firestorm's pretty dead at this stage. They they made some changes early on in the week, server-side. Or it might have been last week when I tra- tried it. Basically, what they did was they, um, they lowered the amount of players required to be in a queue for a, a server to spin up. Before, right. it was around about 50, I would say. Um, something something higher so about like 80 percent of the player players need to be queuing for it to spin up a server and then what they also did was they changed the um the amount of um time for the server to start ticking down so once you got to 32 players in that server it would start ticking down from a minute and then if the server did fill up it'd immediately go to 10 seconds remaining or something like that which like this is stuff that should have been in there from the start and it's one of the big reasons why that game, well, that game mode is dead at the moment. Um, these changes have been implemented because North American queues and Europe queues were dead. Like, yeah. they, people couldn't get games in North America, like the two biggest regions. Um, we obviously saw big problems with the, the queue in uh, Australia quite early on. I think it was Australia. Um, uh, a few of the smaller European regions were having problems. Well, there was like four or five different regions that were really struggling to get games going well no they'll get struggling to get games going because they're getting put into the wrong queues and that was a, a big issue eventually they they put in a some sort of solution but by then it was too late and it was like a half-assed solution it was one of those things where it was they would check for how many people were in queue and if they if it didn't feel like there were enough then it would just join you into a different region but like nobody wants to play a fucking battlefield first person shooter with 150 to 200 ping <laughs> no it's it's unplayable beyond 150 i'd argue and that's like partially to their credit because they've made such a well honed uh net code when it comes mm. to like shooting and it feels really good 
below one. I mean, lower the better, but it feels really good below 150. But as soon as it goes over 150 to preserve that experience for lower latency players, the netcode actually stops, uh, you know, doing your aim assist or your lead assistance based on your latency. And you have yeah. to lead like old school Counter-Strike days. You have to aim ahead to take your latency into account. The challenge is that there's no easy way, simple or, ugly, un- or easy better looking way to have your latency on the screen that's not a giant fucking graph so Mm. to be asked to look at your latency constantly to take it into account because it's varying a bunch as well yeah did they stop um kicking you to other regions entirely no because i jumped in on um when they first put that change in it was like between certain times yeah um like oh there's a low population then we'll chuck you into a different region i didn't agree with that change at all um, I think if we would have had that, the changes that are in there now, like the spinning up servers, then at least people could have sat in that queue and then waited or in that server and waited for it to fill up. Or if it didn't fill up, at least there'd be enough plays in there to kick something off. Like 32 players is still enough. Um, but I jumped in the other day when they put these uh, these latest fixes in there and it was probably about, I don't know, maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And uh, I queued and the queue time was, I think it said three or four minutes. And I waited for um, maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, nothing kicked on. And then eventually it kicked me into a, uh, like a 250 ping server. So it's, it's like, it's not even spinning up Asian servers anymore or Southeast Asia servers. It's just like done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if that patch comes out today, doesn't it? The new one? Sure. But it doesn't make any, like, I don't think it's going to make any people come back to that game. Well, what I hope does make people come back is if they actually properly push the idea that they've added new content. I found that with all of these older disastrous launches mm. by DICE, including Star Wars Battlefront and whatnot, was that people would come back for content. They wouldn't come back for patches. Yeah. So maybe if they've pushed that hard enough, people will be curious to jump in like tonight, tomorrow, over the weekend to check it out. And then if enough people are doing that, then people will come back to play. Because I'm like, when I had fun with that mode, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it's but- really good. When you're sitting there for 10, 15, fucking 20 minutes trying to get a game going and there is nothing that you can change to improve that. I mean, there is a the, – what we planned on doing was uh, there was a router, a gaming router that I got sent, a Netgear one, the high-end one. I want to say the XR700, yeah. top of my head, that lets you go into the settings and like actually region lock – manually so that mm. you can't find games outside of a particular region you can make that as small or as big as you like that would have been a kind of solution for the squad leader but it would by what you've just explained depend on other people wanting to connect at the same time whereas what they do with the core game and that you know includes a 64 player server if you want to go play a mode that nobody's playing in battlefield 5 and you go create uh you know matchmaking right yeah what they want you to actually use matchmaking to and it will fire up a server for one person and you can stay in there forever (laughs) and it will stay live even if nobody else joins Hmm. so it doesn't make sense to me why they're not worried about the cost of spinning up a server in that context but for some fucking reason even though the technology exists within the netcode they don't want to do it for a battle royale and i mean you can keep people in that lobby but like just connecting to a server knowing that the latency is low enough gives people the hope to hang around for at least a little bit longer yeah. people will wait for a few minutes if they think a game's going to start and with the 64 player servers you'll see at peak times there'll be like eight or nine in australia and their queues will be up to like five seven each and yeah. if you create a new one 
people jump in wait five minutes yeah <laughs> people start filling it up and the more that people join the more people go oh you know i could jump into a 10 player match and and soon enough you know it doesn't take long the whole thing is full yeah so i think that they've really made questionable choices and i mean i know criterion designed it but i always kind of assumed that dice would have been in charge of kind of like the back end you know what i mean like right, yeah. here's how we do our multiplayer so maybe that's not the case maybe something has been lost in communication but Unless they're going to do something at E3, like EA Play, and say they have to free week, free weekend, or no, it's free to play, like pull that mode out that of Battlefield, point. and it's free to play now. That's the only way to save it. That'd be a very clever way to pimp the game. Let people have the full download; they just can't access anything else, and maybe they're curious enough to want to do it. But yeah, like if they do that, hmm. like Apex Legends, it make your money on your cosmetic bullshit. That's a smart way to get it back up because people will go and play it then. I mean, yeah. then you've got the problem of cheats which is always the bad thing, like the good thing about any barrier of entry for a game, even if it's a few bucks, is that there are going to be fewer cheaters because it costs them money. It costs them money to get new accounts, right? Sure. Whereas Apex Legends, I'm not sure what that's like these days with cheaters, but they get banned, they can start a new account immediately unless they're banning it like at a hardware they're, level. Or- yeah, they're banning hardware. That's Mac, like good. Mac IDs and hardware IDs. See, that's really good. You've got to buy a new computer. Now that'll make you think twice, won't it? Yeah, um, there's obvious ways around it, but you've got to really dig into it to do that. So yeah, I think that's the only way they can sort of get get around it is make it free to play. I think that game mode is done. Like if it is dead in North America and Europe, um, if they can't get games, then they've got to rethink what's going on. And I think the biggest problem was that the way it was set up initially to to get people into the matches that was the biggest biggest hurdle. Well, they just prioritize convenience, and Mm. and they should never have done that. And I actually am glad to hear that it's dying in the bigger regions because they can't turn around and do what fucking PUBG Corporation did and go, oh, there's not enough players in your region, guys. Like, no, you made dud decisions so that there aren't enough players in the region because people don't want to fucking sit around in a queue. They want to play your goddamn game. doesn't matter how good it is. Yeah, this was, this was when, like, PUBG was at its biggest. They were, like... Well, not its biggest, but it was... It was way bigger than uh, maybe t- the player base was two or two and a half times bigger than what it was during early access. We never yeah. had any problems in early access getting fucking games. No. And then eventually they put that, that April update in that killed the matchmaking. And they were like, oh, there's not enough people in your region. Like, no, there's plenty of people. There's just, <laughs> we're getting put into the wrong servers. Yeah. There's not enough people playing because you broke something. Yeah. And I think that's really bad. I mean, Australian market compared to the American market or Europe if you count that as a whole, is always going to be proportionally smaller. But any time that failed to find us a game in Firestorm, I would just jump over to Conquest, just Conquest, and see that there were usually eight to ten full servers. So that's like hundreds of people, if not, you know, well, a thousand, I guess, if people are waiting or playing different modes. Playing just on PC in Australia, that's enough to get a fucking server going. Yeah, and one server with 32 people or 64 or something. But if you solo queued and left your squad open... Uh, for squads in Firestorm, you, I found consistently, like, because I'd talk to them, I'd write, like, hey, you guys from Australia, and or for, you know, get on the microphone and go, hey, where are you guys from? And they're like, where do you think I'm from? Fuck it. And you're like, okay, here's an Aussie. <laughs> you know, so it was matching us locally correctly, yeah. but then somehow that wasn't leading to a game? Yeah. I don't understand, man. Like, they broke something. I'm glad they didn't blame the player base, you know, oh, you don't have enough players. Uh, but yeah, they've got to do something drastic to fix it, man. And I think you're on to the right solution. Whether they'll do it or not is something else. I feel like they've put too much time and money into it for them not to. Uh, just like just to leave it dead. 
It's yeah. like, uh, I don't know. I think it needs to to happen. I, I don't like the fact that Call of Duty has a, a Battle Royale mode that is separate. Like, all these games have dozens and dozens of modes in them, and every time they add a new mode, they segregate the community. Because, like, this person wants to play Team Deathmatch or, um, you know, Free For All. And then you've got four or five different modes in a Battle Royale mode, and it splits that up completely. It's just... I think it needs to be a separate game um, and just do the the free-to-play uh, cosmetic thing that all the popular ones are doing, and you can make money off it. It's proven, so... I think that's what the best lesson that Battle Royale has taught developers and publishers, which a lot of them still haven't learned, yeah, and look, thinking about DICE specifically, is that, yeah, you can do well with one mode and one fucking map. People will keep coming back to play it as long as your gameplay loop is, you know, interesting enough to make it feel different but the same and you've got your tension and your releases and all that sort of stuff. It's important for a game to keep people coming back for more. Yeah. And you've still got DICE, you know, prioritizing the release of uh, content in Battlefield Five that people aren't playing. These smaller modes and they're three maps that so they're clearly not well tested because they're easily exploitable. Um, thinking of Grind, did you end up playing Grind Conquest? uh no i don't think so it was like on paper it's fun and when it plays properly it's awesome there's no vehicles it's all infantry based it's super hectic super close and you're Mm. fighting in a straight line over three points cool uh and they've got flanking routes which is great and they've slightly tweaked some of the familiar maps what they didn't test was there were certain maps where you could just fire a piat or a grenade from spawn to spawn and get kills immediately and that's what people would do the whole map and they were getting kills for it i'm like how did you not fix this and you can fix it by just putting a big bloody wall or an invisible wall that explodes them to avoid it or i don't know change something but so they half-ass these new modes and then they have them out for two weeks and then they kill them and occasionally they come back but it's like, why are you putting all your effort into that? This is not what people want. People want more maps, for starters, in Battlefield Five. People want more weapons. They want more factions, but they want more factions so they can get more weapons and vehicles, right? They want America so they can have American tanks and American guns. And yet, no, DICE is content to go, no, no, we, we know what we're doing. And it's like, to a certain extent, I'm all for you not being led by the community. But when it comes to this... And the community has been asking for the same thing since launch and the numbers must be showing. I mean, at least in Australia, unless there's a challenge around a new mode, Hmm. those new modes die very, very quickly. People blitz through them just to get their unlock. Yeah. And then everyone goes back to conquest. And they finally learnt that they need to have multiple paths to get through to the unlocks because people don't want to you know have right, yeah. objectives linked to like you don't want people to be thinking i'm not enjoying this game i'm just grinding it's not an mmo hmm. uh let reward them for the modes and the ways they want to play and give them options to do it and you can go back and complete it if you want to be a completionist so they're finally cluing onto that but this has been a problem since you know i don't know last battlefield battlefield before that sure. maybe sure. they're very slow to learn yeah anyway we sidetracked <laughs> far be it from us anything to say about more now anymore uh no get it get it play it it's good yeah it's good fun nice um rage 2 you've been playing some rage 2 i played some rage 2 i talked about it already um i got a feeling that your your uh, opinions gonna be pretty similar to mine (laughs) or ours uh yeah probably i i finished it and it's amazing because i think you and job had warned me about this abrupt ending and i just i was ready for it but i clearly wasn't ready for (laughs) 
just how abrupt it's like, game over, motherfucker, get out. You're like, okay. And then I went, like, I didn't really care about the story. No. S- story was, I found myself, like, running through towns, looking for text bubbles above people's head, activating them, and then hitting F to skip immediately just to get the pop-up on the map. Right. S- sorry, writers of Rage 2. Like, that story was just so, like, afterthought and lackluster. The best, the- we, Job and I talked about this, the best fucking story parts were in the DLC, the, the, the pre-order bonus. The yes. pre-order bonus mission. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah, that's pretty, oh, that's pretty bad. And the driving, man, I loved the vehicular combat in Mad Max, and I was saving it in this game. I'm like, I'm going to upgrade my vehicles, so it's fun. I've got all these options, and it is so fucking boring. I'm like, what? why? Where did, how did they go so wrong? Like going from Mad Max to this. So I don't even care about that anymore. But man, the shooting, holy shit. I think it's better than Doom. Uh, so it is going to have to step up. Now, there's a lot of misinformation out there. People saying that it designed the shooting and Avalanche did the open world. I did an interview with um, Avalanche just before the game came out. I was under this, a similar impression. And I asked them about like who touched what, who did what. And they were like, dude, we made everything. And it was like a producer role. And they said yeah. uh, the first thing we had to make was the shotgun because Tim Willits, you know, head of uh, id Software, great guy, he uh, he said, uh, you've got to make a shotgun. If the shotgun doesn't feel good, the whole game falls apart. And we know that id makes amazing shotguns. I think Rage 2 shotgun is probably the best shotgun I've ever used in a game. Like, it's awesome. And the fact that yeah. you can go from shotgun mode to kind of like slug rail mode, but it's not full rail gun, it's not unlimited distance, it's such a satisfying gun, and I ended up using that in the assault rifle. No matter how much I tried to convince myself to use the other guns, I saved my rockets for the bosses. Right. Did you play on hard? I played on normal. I felt like we probably should have bumped the difficulty on because I I didn't die at all. Um, the only times we I died was when Job and I were testing some stuff out. But yeah, it's, it's not hard yeah. on hard. Uh, like you when you get swarmed. Yeah, which is cool because the moment to moment gunplay is cool, but you end up leveling up to a point where it doesn't really matter. Uh, the boss fights were the most disappointing, even on hard, dude. Seriously, without even popping your extra damage special, whatever it was, V. Yeah. Um, rocket launcher, like, f- and I had my rocket launcher upgraded to hold six in the mag. And, you know, outside of that one that you had to sh- you shoot in the face and then it would fall over and then you go shoot the blue shit on its back. Remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, which was became the easiest boss, but the it, most annoying. Yeah, I mean that that seemed to be when you talk about bosses. That's the only one I can really remember from the game because that was like so easy. You'd shoot him in the stomach, he'd fall over, and by the time you killed the thing on the back and you started getting up again, you could be back out the front shooting that spot and like you basically stun lock him. Yeah, well, what I I thought it was the chest as well, and then I discovered you could also do it with the head. So what I ended up doing was like it would be flick, you know, or sorry, rocket to the head, and then dash, or when you unlock the mega sprint, sprint over behind, sure. unload your assault rifle, and then between animations when he's getting back up, dash to the front, rocket to the face, dash back, unload, and it was just, and then when he loses his you know armor just back off and and use anything like it just Mm. didn't matter at that stage there were the other similar size like the big mutants you could find them out in world you find their nests i had to fight two at once once which was was cool because the second one like surprised me because it was out of my vision and when i was smashing the other one he came out of nowhere that was cool but 
seriously, just like five rockets and they're dead. And then when even when you challenge yourself to just use the assault rifle or something, it just it's not satisfying. But the the gunplay in the camps against the regular grunts and oh, I was I just found it amazing, and that's yeah. what kept me coming back. And I was I get these urges to go and do completionist stuff. You know, go and find all of the the crates. I didn't care about the data pads because the story, but find all the crates. And then I like I didn't need money anymore. I didn't need to. I didn't want to upgrade anything anymore. Yeah. So it really was just about the gunplay. And for me, that feels so reminiscent of the problems of the original Rage. Hmm. Like the original Rage had good gunplay. Like when it got you into the corridor shooting sections, the gunplay was cool. It felt sure. good. Uh, AI wasn't too bright. AI is better in Rage 2, but they're mostly there for your entertainment and to play with, like it's Bulletstorm 2.0, right? I thought Without- the AI was was decent in Rage. They were doing cool things with, uh, like, jumping off ceilings and grabbing parts of the wall and, like, sort of... I felt like the AI was toned down more. Um, really? I was, I was expecting more from the AI in this game because when I talked to them in June last year... Or May, I, that was something I brought up, being like, "Hey, you guys did some pretty, or it did some pretty interesting things with the AI in the original game." It was like I felt like one of the most standout parts of it. Like, are you looking at what they did and sort of trying to do something similar? They're like, yeah, we that was a big focus for us, type stuff. And and then when I eventually played it, I'm like, nah, like I'm not seeing anything here that is reminiscent of what they did. It's just pretty generic, like run at you sort of stuff. Occasionally they'd hide behind cover and and that sort of thing, but in 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 the first rage, I remember them interacting with the environment a lot more. Right, I just remember the the terrible action role that they used to do that would lock them in an in an animation that was so slow that you would just track them and wait yeah. for them to stop, or you just blow them away while they were doing it, knowing you could get free hits on them. This sure. is the original rage. In this one, I noticed that they flanked a bunch more. That if you stopped for too long, it's like they wanted to do that push forward combat from Doom. You know, if you stopped mm. for too long, they would not just hit a grenade at you; they'd hit like three or four grenades at you. The rockets would be coming in. So I found that you really had to keep moving. Sure. And the more that you move, the more that they would get around behind you and you'd, you'd kill them. I actually wish they didn't have kill indicators on the crosshairs because you'd knock them off their, on their ass sometimes and you'd go past them and they'd be crawling away from you shooting and stuff. I thought that was really sure. – that was cool. Uh, I don't think it's like revolutionary you know, AI. I'm not going to die on that hill. But I certainly found a sense <laughs> of satisfaction right. that kind of moved them beyond the demons of doom that really felt like they were there just to be shot. Mm. Uh, these ones at least seem to kind of try to survive sometimes, but man, they by the end, you're so fucking overpowered in the end yeah. if you invest your upgrades correctly. And it's part of like part of the satisfaction though is that power fantasy. But I just can't help but feel that my biggest problems with Rage were that the open world felt like it was tacked on and the story was forgettable. Sure. <laughs> my biggest problems with Rage 2 is that the open world That's feels tacked on. The story's forgettable. And then the disappointment of what Avalanche has done before with vehicular combat and it being just, again, such an afterthought. It feels like they spent so much time focusing on the shooting yeah, and the, the power interaction. That shield ability, by the way, is dumb. Like That has no place in that game because every other power seems to want to push you forward. So the fact that it the feels barrier? like... Yeah, the barrier. I never got it. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No, that was the one ability I didn't find. Well, that's good. So for me, I having done the interview and also chatted to you guys, like when I interviewed the dudes, they, they said that they um, had hidden all of the weapons and the abilities off the main path. And I thought that was 
kind of stupid, right? Like because you could technically play through Rage and you might get a few of the main weapons, but mm. if you don't go arc hunting and they're not part of the main story, you're going to not get to experience some of the fun. Like like even though I use the shotgun and the assault rifle the most, I like the the dart gun. You know, you fire them off into the distance, and I like the click oh, the fire, the underpowered fire but yeah. once you upgraded it it actually became kind of like and it was fun just to play it was with fun them. to use yeah yeah so those guns were like cool and kind of semi-unique uh and the powers as well the way you'd string the powers together but mm. i deliberately after playing the first few hours just went arc hunting you know found them found every single one and then went and played the game because sure. <laughs> why would i want to play without but that shield man i remember seeing a I think it was like something like 100 or 200 quickfire questions from Game Informer to Tim Willits, if I remember correctly. And the, one of the early questions was, which is uh, which ability is the weakest? And he just goes, barrier. <laughs> it's like, no question, no like trying to spin it. Like, oh, they're all the great. He's just like barrier. So that, that yeah. felt like such a like, oh, we've got to put this final ability in or we've got to cater to those players that want to hang back. But the game like they don't do that in fucking doom because they don't want you to hang back yeah i i, I did see that interview because that was the one where tim willits revealed that you could play as a female and right. uh that was after they asked him a question but not not related to that and then he said why don't you ask me if you can play as a female and then they said oh can you play as a female he said yes you can and i'm like i fucking i've been asking that question like three times and no one would answer it Oh, they wouldn't answer it. They kept it. Secret. No, I asked them back when they at the very first reveal of that game. Yeah. Um, if you could, if they were going to have like a gender choice, because because Walker was vo- voiced, and then the second time I asked them that was at the QuakeCon event that you and I did. Yeah. And they they showed the trailer and they kept referring to Walker as like like, like Walker, yeah, as opposed yeah. to like he like like a you know he comes from this background or whatever like they never said he they always said walker or um or like they i think they said maybe they were. and and i like asked them i asked uh magnus again <laughs> straight up during our interview being like you might have been in the room i can't remember um being like hey like I, I explained this whole thing about the trailer and like how last time i asked and they wouldn't answer it and he was like, uh, we're not talking about that right now. And I was like, weird. that's the only question I had. So fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that, see, that's bizarre. I don't know why that, maybe they hadn't finalized at that stage, but it seems like a super weird, you know, um, tidbit, no mm. pun intended, to, to hang on to so late in the, the kind of the marketing drive for the game. Yeah. But I wrote an article about how, like, I have a feeling you're going to be able to play as a female in this game, and here's my proof. Here are the two times I've asked them about stuff, and they won't answer my question. So, yeah, I, I was on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, like, I agree with you. I think it's a like a solid seven out of ten. The game six point five seven. Um, like it's yeah. good. Don't come at me and be like you said it's fucking terrible. No, on my scale, a seven is a good <laughs> game. Um. So yeah, I think the sh- shooting's outstanding. Shooting's amazing. It's just, like, the rest of the stuff that's around the game, the driving, the exploration, the uh, the the content, the re- like the repetitive nature of it. Um, Lots of missed opportunities, right? Yeah, I think. Did, did you do any of the meteors? 
Yeah, I did a bunch of them. And you got to fucking stand there yeah, and you look stand at each. Hold e. I'm like, who designed this? But like, it's not just hold E to harvest entire meteor. You've got to like actively engage with it to complete it. And I'm like, this is not fun. No, Nobody is having fun doing this. This there's is like ten to fifteen different little shards yeah. on this meteor that you got to click E on or hold E on. <laughs> Yeah, and then they figured out that you could just hold it and move your aim. But I'm like, this is still a chore. Hmm. And as far as, you know, ticking off boxes, because I like doing that. Like, if it's close enough to where I want to go, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it'll take me two minutes. I'll go do that. And then I'd find myself going, I fucking hate these things. Like, why am I even doing this anymore? Yeah, for a fast-paced game, they really grind it to a halt, that specific part of it. Um, And the driving, the convoy stuff, I did one or two of them, and I was like, I'm good. I don't need to do this stuff anymore. They're all the same. They're like, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I haven't done all of them. That's not fair. I've done three or four, and they all played out exactly the same. Sure. Uh, I ended up using the flying thing. Oh yeah, Icarus, because that would just get me to places so, so much, much faster, yeah. and it didn't have any armaments or upgrades or anything. So I was like, fair enough. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna fly straight to where I want to go, do my looting, and fly off again, yeah. <laughs> or do my killing. Uh, and I've you know I ended up playing another 30, 60 minutes of endgame stuff or endgame just ticking off shit from the open world and i find now that i'm just like exploring question marks just to see if there's a fight there and if there's not i'm just like rolling on because because the fighting is so fucking good but everything else is so just like by the numbers and yeah it it doesn't doesn't match the awesomeness of how goddamn good the shooting is and if you're a a fan of shooting like you got to get it like probably get it was on special but um I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't see how they can patch fix the other stuff. Like it's not, it's like a design, right? Design mm. level issues. It's not super buggy. I didn't have a super buggy experience. I had a somewhat buggy, you know, with the audio. Did you get the audio bugs? That it was cutting out, yeah. Every like where they'd, they'd be responding to you, but you hadn't said anything. anything. They, or their dialogue would drop out. Yeah, like some yeah. of that persists. But I mean, for me, that's, we were playing it early as well. It could have been something they fixed. I'm not sure if they fixed it yet, but it wasn't a huge deal because I usually play the subtitles on anyway. Right. Um, and like it was story at content, so I was like not invested in it at all. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's an issue to, to note down. But like it's not one of those, you know, like days gone leading up to its release was, I wouldn't say unplayable, but it had some serious bugs. I know for Rage 2, Job said he had crashes. I didn't have any crashes. He, he said he crashed like, 11 times i think i think i had one crash and that was when i was playing with him (laughs) yeah i had i had one instance the other night where i encountered a bug where i had to restart the game like i think i survived something i wasn't supposed to so the game registered me as dead so i couldn't actually fire my weapons or aim my weapons anymore bit bit of a problem so i exited loaded up a save and it was fine like it didn't carry over but apart from that it was mainly, mostly just minor stuff, you know, physics fails, which are fucking hilarious anyway, that I love. Um, and occasionally the AI would just kind of be standing there, even though right. you just slaughtered three people behind them, they'd just be looking out a door, and you're like, okay, weird, but I'm here to play with my food anyway, so I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's something we talked about on here at least, but Job and I mentioned it when we were first playing Rage, how um, our, our name tags were popping up in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so and this is before release, and and at that time we had an email saying that like there's things coming up, like once launch starts, like events and things like that. 
And so we spent a bit of time trying to figure out what these name tags were. Like, uh, we thought initially we thought maybe they're like Dark Souls, where you could find uh, where people died and then avenge them because there was a friends avenged stat in the um, in the game. And so we were toying around with that a bit, like making ourselves die in the game and and sort of playing in the same area. We couldn't we couldn't figure it out. And uh, when the game launched, eventually I, I put a thing up on Twitter saying, you know, we've found this thing but we can't figure out like what it does and uh bethesda eventually got back to us they they saw the the message and uh apparently people's name tags will pop up when they are nearby when they've found an arc nearby so you'll see a game tag in your world uh, from a friend that's found an arc and if you look closely you'll be able to see footprints on the ground which will lead you to an arc that's a cool idea i think the execution the way they've sort of done it is a bit strange because um, they don't really explain that to you at all <laughs> like it's just a floating name tag in the air and that's why we spent an hour and a half trying to figure it out but like stuff like that's interesting at least it would have been like a much better mechanic if you couldn't just hold down focus and see the giant colored pylons in the sky that show where an arc is yeah i mean i, I appreciate that they... things oh, like right. that I appreciate that they gave me that option because I wanted to go and find that stuff immediately because I'd, I'd played three hours of preview and felt like mm. underwhelmed at that stage because I was just using basic arsenal items, you know, pistol, shotgun, assault rifle. Sure. Uh, and I, I'd seen the trailers which showed off these different weapons and these different abilities. I'm like, I want to play that game, man. I want to play with those powers and those guns. So that's, yeah, when I, when I think you guys told me they're all in the arcs, I'm like, okay, <laughs> mm. I'm going arc hunting then. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, enjoyable game. Um, just a couple small issues. I'm interested to see if they make a third one. Yeah, well, it depends if it sells well enough, right? Like, it's another one of those perfect opportunities where they've got something that really gels with people and is genuinely amazing. Hmm. Um, and it depends if it sells well enough for them to be able to come back a third time and go, you know what? We are hearing the problems loud and clear. And so, because. Because everyone will be asking, have you fixed the driving? Have you fixed the open world? How's the story better? You know? Yeah. So hopefully, I hope they do. I hope it sells well enough for them to take that foundation and get a third shot or a second shot at redemption, I guess, or a second shot at ex- better executing the idea and actually building out the fact like it it feels almost like it didn't have to be an open world game, you know? Sure. There would have been better with hubs, like larger sprawling level hubs yep. and just that shooting and the powers. Yeah, that's what I said. I think it would have been better without the driving. I would have been happy just to run around. Yeah, and by the end, you get so fast that, yeah, running, oh, sorry, driving is, is it's very boring. It's very slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on um, to... I've played a bunch of Marvel's Spider-Man. Um, the DLC. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never actually got around to it. It was, it was in my top five last year. I think it was number three. Um, Marvel Spider-Man and I just never really got around to playing the DLC it's called The City That Never Sleeps and it is basically a three part um, like story add-on for the the end of the game so you probably shouldn't play it if you haven't played the whole game because um, it does reveal story beats things that happen after and um, they're you know decent chunks of of gameplay there's probably about three to four hours per dlc in terms of the actual main story and then on top of that 
you've got a bunch of extra side content that it gives you things like new new side missions um new collectibles to go and look for so it's not just like you know this small contained extra bit of content to do it's like a whole extra like eight hours worth of experience on there and that's for each one there's three of them all up and they released them uh, a month after like the game sort of came out they went like all right we'll do one in october one in november one in december so it was it was pretty good in terms of um like keeping people engaged in that world and i think that um it's an interesting way of doing because although it's not like uh pivotal to the main story it's kind of like a side thing like hey here's some cool extra bits in the world that we can kind of tell with these familiar characters because they they go in there with um things like black cat and you get uh, a massive story arc to like yuri Watanabe, um who is the the police uh you're sort of like your police friend during the game yeah and so there's a, a huge arc that she goes through that's that's in this content um you interact with Hammerhead. Um, I guess the, the the story is that Black Cat is putting together, is finding all these USB keys, and that's got a bunch of information on there, uh, which is Hammerhead is involved with. And uh, across the three stories, this this arc sort of plays out, and all these other characters are introduced. And um, in terms of how it comes along, I think it's really cool. It's got some, you know, each one kind of ends on a cliffhanger uh, to kind of get you invested in like what's to come. Um, they they obviously throw in all these different types of, of backstory in there with other characters by giving you collectibles or extra side missions to go into, which is really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I played like another 15 hours of Spider-Man over the week because I was um, I was actually going to play the whole thing again. And Whoa. then because I was I was just looking for games to play, man. I was tossing up between that. And uh, God of War because I watched the God of War documentary recently, and uh, obviously God, it? God of War documentary is amazing. Yeah, everybody yeah? should go watch it. Yeah, it's outstanding. Um, so nice. yeah, I was kind of tossing up between Spider Man and, and God of War, and uh, God of War is obviously a longer game, so I was like, I'll just jump into Spider Man and I'll, maybe I'll just mainline the story again. And then I realized that I hadn't played the DLC, so I I started a new game plus, um, and then eventually just jumped into the yeah the dlc and started playing that sat there played like two sessions pretty much and just uh yeah it was really good there's a lot of awesome interactions with um with like miles like you see the events after spider-man and sort of what transpires from there like him interacting with him a lot more um which is really cool and sort of what happens with the miles character and then i guess where they're going to go with the next game because obviously they're going to make a sequel to this um yeah and then just uh they add a couple of different types of game mode or game mechanics in there which are cool so overall i think it's a you know if you enjoyed marvel spider-man it was one of your favorite games last year and you haven't played the dlc it's definitely one to check out it's not going to like blow you away in terms of um you know what that game did it's just sort of like more of you know more of that universe and more of building up what you can sort of get out of it so I, I really dug it, and I thought that what they did was um, was interesting, especially with the like the character building. Like, there's a lot of character stuff going on in in this uh, DLC, which um, how that will sort of play out in the the sequel is is really exciting to see. Do you not have any games in your guilt pile? <laughs> um, yes. So I uh, after I finished Spider Man, 
and it's not on the list because I'm not going to talk about it. I fired up Persona 5 um, because although I played about 20 hours of that game, uh, I really enjoyed it and I want to go back and try and finish it. Um, so I've started from the start again. Because that's like a, from what I understand, it's like an 80-hour, 90-hour game. And since Damn. there's nothing going on right now, I'm like, why not play a giant Japanese RPG? Isn't Red Dead Online launching later this month, like out of beta? Yeah. I mean, I know that's not the past. <laughs> uh, I'm keen to try that again. But sure. like, I, I tried an hour, I think, and it was just an hour of kind of opening and tutorials. And it like it felt very reminiscent of the opening of, of Red Dead, which I didn't particularly... In, well, not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that I wouldn't want to play it again. Sure. <laughs> you know, because the real game comes after that. Yeah. I mean, when I'm you, sure I'll get the back free. in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth a crack, and if they're willing to remove the the, the beta tag, I'm I'm more interested in trying it then rather yeah. than early when you know people are talking about there's not all the content that they want is there and stuff like yeah. that. So, so we'll see. But I'm always of the opinion that there's too many games to play, man. My my guilt <laughs> list is insane. I only finished Wolfenstein two recently, like, <laughs> yeah, which I feel bad that it's taken me that long to do. But yeah, I've got so many games installed on the different platforms and it's usually a case of having some spare time and going what do i feel like do i feel like multiplayer now nah, fuck that uh okay i want to play something single player and then going through like five or ten options and going which one do i feel like the most or, or right. loading it up like i did with tomb raider recently because i'm like i'm so close to the end in shadow of the tomb raider i just want to finish it and uninstall it hmm. didn't really enjoy it but i was like invested enough hours that i feel that i should put a full stop on it and the fucking sound wasn't working like the, the dialogue wasn't working at all. I'm like, ah, why? Get your sound right. It's not that hard. Get your sound right. Yeah. <laughs> like how many patches have come out since? You know, I've got like all the DLCs there, but I don't really want to touch it because it all looks like just that kind of basic tacked on shit that you expect. Like the opposite of what you talked about with the Spider-Man yeah. content. That's the DLC that you're used to. You know, just like, oh, there's a challenge room for 20 minutes. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, why would I care about that? Yeah. Um, how about we keep the Sony bandwagon going and talk about Days Gone? Yeah. I just like, I'm sure that I don't want to stay on it for too long. Um, just that I'm sure you guys talked about it a lot. It, it was a game that is probably like a six out of 10 for me. Sure. <laughs> but, but one that I kept coming back to yeah. before it came out. Yeah. Uh, and I kept playing and I kept wanting to clear areas. I actually really enjoyed the gameplay loop. It's interesting to hear the bigger problems that people have. Like people talked a lot about bugs in the lead up to release and not everyone got to experience the worst of the bugs. The bigger problems with the game weren't bugs. They were, you know, they were design decisions and the storytelling was all over the place in terms of like its quality and even like in terms of its like the it felt like there was plot holes because the certain characters you'd play certain mission first and then later on they were having a moment you're like why aren't you talking about this why aren't you referencing that like that guy's a fuckwit he just fucked you over with this and you don't want to bring that up in this moment like that seems sure off yeah um and it felt a bit all over the place but like i like the shooting a lot of people said they didn't like the shooting i i didn't like the shooting yeah i liked it i, I, thought I felt that- like it was too ball spongy yeah, I didn't like the earlier guns because they had like 
levels and stuff. Like the yeah. earlier guns were terrible. They were, and I didn't do much shooting then. I was doing a lot of melee combat. But when you started to get to level three guns, I think like one, two, three, I think was right. the basic, and they had ones beyond that. They would start one shotting headshots if you had the right guns. Like, and shotguns felt like shotguns at that stage. The earlier shotguns didn't really hmm. feel like shotties. They could have done so much more with the noise mechanic, man. Holy shit! It just felt like you could make noise as much as you wanted within a certain area um, and they wouldn't care. Like if you were worried that a gunshot was going to bring in shitloads from all around and you had to leave like early on without, without the right weapons, without the right, you know, explosives and stuff like that. I think they had a missed opportunity there that there is a survival game at the heart of that game that they didn't tap into properly. Reminds me a lot of uh, Mad Max, which I know was divisive. A lot of people were like, yeah, it was okay or whatever. I again, I thought it was okay. I finished it though. I put forty hours into it. I clearly enjoyed it enough to, to finish it. But I always sort of felt I wish that someone had, they've done DLC or someone released a mod, like right. a survival mod where water actually was a requirement, like not just for health. Like it actually, you had to go back and get it, kind of like the forest survival sense, where vi- uh, the vehicle combat was made like bolstered by the fact that you might. To replace a you know damaged part on your car, you needed to get that part off the other car. But if you shot at it too much, you destroy it. Like sure. just really pushing the the survival element. Yeah, I don't I think, think it went that, far enough. No, because it felt it felt kind of like light, and it's the same with Days Gone. Like I got to a stage pretty quickly where I felt like I was never running out of ammunition. Yeah. That only when I'd go up to an ammo crate and it would be like you're full, that I would then go, oh, I better shoot off some rounds just so I can like pick up ammo later because. <laughs> Because everything's full. Uh, so, yeah, the, the survival element wasn't particularly well executed. But And also, when you actually go up against those giant swarms, mm. it's fucking intense. Yeah. And there wasn't enough of that. And that's what I mean. Like, if they just made the sound carry a greater distance or something like that. Because there were times, there were really awesome times, when I'd stealth a camp and uh, I remember this one instance. We played it in preview and I replayed it in review and i'm like oh i know this like i already know this section this is a piece of piss it was hilariously where i had stepped on every bear trap that you could step on and job was just like <laughs> they're laughing. hard to see but like he was like i'm like i'm like oh there's a bear trap and then i'd step in it anyway <laughs> and he's like you saw it though how did you do that so i was like i know where all the bear traps are and i diffused them all and i relayed them i felt like a badass like if people were going to escape i stealth through most of the dudes there hmm. And then there was one or two that I hadn't spotted and they saw me and they fired a shot. And I'm like, this is fine. I'd plan on this anyway. I've got my fallback plan. You know, I've got my guns. But that shot called a nearby horde and there's only one way in or out of that place on the bridge. Hmm. And they swarmed in and it was just like, fuck. So I had to kite them up and around to create an opening hmm. to get back out of the one way in and then run them over the bear traps and, you know, like firing off everything, throwing everything. I'm like, holy fuck, if this game had more of that, like yeah. if you were scared, like a gunshot made you terrified because you're like, oh, fuck. And it didn't matter that you hadn't fired it. Hmm. So missed opportunities, man. Like that game, I don't think it was ever going to have the polish that we've come to expect from AAA Sony. Sure. I mean, that run of like God of War... Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, I mean, going back a bit more, but like The Last of Us, which which when it got its HD or its PS4 version scaled yeah. really well and wasn't, it was another reason to go back and enjoy that game again. Um, 
and then you got this game, which was like fine. And I think that a lot of the bigger problems with it are really that, if I'm being honest, it's just that it wasn't that level of polish. Hmm. Like it was a perfectly fine game uh, if it wasn't like AAA Sony's pedigree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like can you imagine if Rockstar released something like that, which feels like they just kind of rush it out for sure. like it's been delayed before. We've got to get it out. We've got to get it out. We need a game in this window. Rockstar would never do that. I mean, they don't have to, but I don't think Sony's in a position where they have to do that either. Like they have, they won this console generation so long ago. They don't even need to release first party games hmm. um, at the moment because they've got the install base to be supported by third party. They could be fully focused on next gen and making sure they hit the ground running and, and winning that battle, which I think they should be worried because Microsoft has learnt <laughs> and it has, you know, hired appropriately. I think the guy who's in charge of Xbox at the moment is far and away better than that guy who was talking about fucking TV, the launch of <laughs> Xbox One, you know, like he gets it that it's games and mm. and they're not really competing anymore this generation and that's why last year at E3 when they're announcing that they've got studio acquisition after sure. studio acquisition, they've said and for me, that was like, well, they're not saying expect more games on the Xbox One, although I'm sure there'll be that crossover period where they're available on that and whatever the next one is. Yep. Um, they're saying we are you know, firing a shot across the bow of Sony saying we're coming for you next gen. Like we're making games now that you won't see for three years, but they're going to be launch titles or whatever for the 2020 Xbox, which I'm pretty sure is going to be announced officially at E3, right? Uh, I feel like it'll be before. I thought I thought it was going to be before, but <laughs> we're uh, we're what two weeks away, so maybe it's not before. Well, they don't. Look, Sony doesn't have a a presence there. Like this is the perfect opportunity for them to go. We got this, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, it seems like develop pub sorry publishers, console publishers have gotten away from the whole. We're not going to spend an hour talking about our new console. We're going to spend an hour showing you the new games in the console. Instead, we're going to do a console reveal earlier on before, like, right. you know, a couple of weeks before and be like, you'll be able to see more at E3 when we talk about the games. Considering we haven't heard anything, I haven't heard shit about what... I've heard murmurs about what Xbox is doing, but I'm pretty surprised that uh, we haven't heard about a console yet. Well, they still might do it, but I think the other way to do it is to... Um meet it halfway and go, here's our new console, here's a real quick video of its features, you know, like that one minute of numbers of shit and sure. it opening up and you having a look at the stuff that doesn't mean anything to anybody and then going, and here's some games, right? Like that is the, it's absolutely the best way to do it is to show people games and not to, not to do what that, what was it, that Wired article did with the, the PS5? Yeah. You know, which was to just... To talk about an older game and then and, and kind of talk about, like, the, my biggest takeaway from that was that it's going to have an SSD. And I yeah. think that's awesome. That's exciting. You saw I mean, the video that came out that they, they talked about in that article? No, I didn't. There was a leaked they, video during oh, okay. a, uh, it was like an internal Sony meeting. Um, yeah, leaked. Where they were, well, it was from, like, somebody's phone of them, like, basically showing, like, hey, here's, um, here's that clip of, like, Spider-Man loading on the playstation yeah. 4 and here it is loading on our next gen hardware and it's like it loads in 0.83 seconds and then it's loads in like 
something seconds on the PlayStation 4. Like that was the leaked footage they were showing you. The other bit was the, 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 the part they mentioned that article where, um, like the streaming of assets in the game of Spider-Man, like swinging down the city. Um, they had to sort of, uh, restrict that in terms of how fast you could go because at a certain point, the game wouldn't be able to load in stuff in front of you quick enough. Yeah. And then they drive limitation again, right? Sure. Speed. So they, then you'd cut to the next gen platform and it's just like, it just takes off and you can see things loading in smoothly compared to the PlayStation one where it shows you and it's just like stuff is sort of freezing up and then loading in and then freezing up. Um, so yeah, that was the video that was leaked that was sort of referenced back to that article. I mean, I like you said, I think the, the SSD is probably the biggest takeaway because we're going to be able to see some really interesting things from games. Um, being able to take advantage of whatever they're doing with that SSD, this custom hardware. And the rest of it is kind of just like bonus. Like, all right, yeah, cool. But like, I would be pissed if the next generation of consoles doesn't have an SSD. I was already like off, like put off that this generation and its refreshes didn't have an SSD as standard. Like it's just, this is not newfangled fucking Mm. technology guys as PC gamers. Like this is the reason why when I started playing Skyrim many moons ago, I was, um, I reviewed it for Game Informer on Xbox 360. So I had a save file from Xbox 360. So I felt obliged to, because I'd played however many dozens of hours i didn't want to lose all that so i kept playing on xbox 360 and i rage quit in the end because the load times were like 20 seconds 30 seconds sometimes i ended up restarting that thing i didn't want to do on my pc i reinstalled it on an ssd and i downloaded all these mods to make it look amazing and my load time was like a second Hmm. so that allowed me to not be sitting there thinking about the game that I want to play while I'm in a fucking menu or do I go into this cave because I know going into the cave means a loading screen. I don't want to wait 30 seconds. I probably don't need to go in there versus <laughs> like it's a second. I'm not even going to think about that. Fuck, I'm in. Hmm. And it like it makes such a big difference to enjoyment. Um, and it, it makes me wonder about like games, whether games will now have to remove like the shitty little tips from loading screens because loading screens aren't going to be around anymore, right? (laughs) Which is great. I think that's awesome. Like, let's get consoles up to speed with PC in an area that really matters. Like, less time in a menu means more time playing your game and or in a loading screen, I should say. So, yeah, if you had to load your game however many times in an hour and it takes 20, 30 seconds, like, that's... Like, day's gone, man. That game takes, what, a minute or two to load and then you hit continue and then it takes another minute or two to load and you're like yeah, Red Dead did the same thing right where that initial load was really loading in all the assets and then you wouldn't get really any load screens after that but there are different like I can't, I'm struggling to think of an example but I'm remembering better examples of open world games where that initial load is so long because when you hit continue it's in your game and it's like Whoop, there you go yeah. you're playing now and I'm like that's such a much better way to do it than making me go oh i'll load it up the game days gone and then i'll go get a drink or have a piss and then i'll come back and i'll hit continue and then i'll go do the other thing like you i would literally plan to do things around that because i'm yeah. like i don't want to sit here staring at this loading shit and then if it crashed or fucked up you have to start again you're like oh this goes another fucking two minutes of my life which doesn't sound like it's like total first world problem but it's also just like yeah that's less time playing your game and with mm. so many games out there it's more reason for people to go, I'm going to go play something else that loads faster. 
Right. That sounds like a dumb thing, but I mean, developers have found ways to hidden a lot of that stuff. We t- we talk about like the the ele- like the elevators, the very first iteration of that sort of yep. thing, where everything yep. had elevators now. Um, and then you got to the point where it was people crawling through gaps in walls, like <laughs> forced walking sections in Gears of War. Remember this, yeah. everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like, I mean, we've developers have gotten really smart about it. Um, obviously we may see that sort of change with SSDs coming into play on consoles, but I watched a GDC video about Spider-Man talking, um, about that again, but you played Spider-Man, right? Yeah. You know, the opening of that game, it sort of starts you off with teaching you how to swing and then you fight a couple of dudes and then you end up at the front of Fisk Tower and uh, there's a point where you're fighting guys and then the game sort of takes over and you end up smashing through a window and then going into the tower. Yeah. It's all one seamless thing. Um, this video basically expa- explains like how they did that, that like the way the camera is focused in cer- on certain elements within those cutscenes is because they're lo- they're unloading things behind you and loading all the assets from this building so that you can seamlessly go into it. And like, so basically what you're seeing is a camera focused on these different things that are going on. Um, so you never see any of that stuff happening, like the stuff that's disappearing. And then in this video that they're showing is like, hey, here's what it actually looks like when the camera's back out here. And you can see all everything like the buildings disappearing and the, the, the people disappearing and then other things loading in front of you in the building. Like yeah. really smart ways of hiding loading that's going on in the game. Um, so like they've gotten to the point where they're that good at like being able to 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 like not even let the player know that this stuff is happening in the background um so that that is really interesting to see but i think with ssds we might see less of that sort of stuff because it may not be as big an issue and without having to worry about system resources right like the realities of multi-platform gaming especially as someone who prefers to play most things on pc is that i understand that pc is still not very much lead platform except when you get to like the stage we're at right now end of the console cycle suddenly pc becomes this thing again because it makes everything look so shit hot um or they're like well this is an idea of what it might look like on the next generation this is the only time that we start getting lead platform again predominantly because everyone's thinking about the future and what happens is that you get limited by the hardware constraints on a console limits design because you talk to these developers and they talk about you know, the art team fighting with the animation team fighting with the gameplay team about the limited RAM, for instance, on an Xbox One or a PS4. And they're like, no, we need this amount of resources to make it look this good, but we want to add this gameplay feature that'll take up that. And it's fucking crazy, man. And on PC, it's like, well, technically you're not limited by anything. But the reality is that not everyone has a super high-end PC. I guess the better thing about PC gaming in the last... I don't know, decade, is that you can pretty much get away with GPU upgrades, as you know, <laughs> mm. um, and still have your games running on like like full settings and stuff like that, <clears throat> which I think is great because it's kind of like, yeah, there's diminishing returns these days on, on faster hardware, and we haven't had that massive leap. It's all happened in the GPU space and not so much in the uh, CPU, RAM, whatever. I mean, SSDs went to m2 and then like the the pci express ones have been around for the longest time so it's sort of more making what we already have faster but i don't think we've seen you know the equivalent of what we've seen with like rtx or even the big leap between 
that led to the nine series, um, no, the ten series, sorry, between nine and ten series on NVIDIA. Hmm. We haven't seen that uh, happen in CPUs, in my opinion. Yeah, probably wrong on that. Right in if I am. <laughs> and, and still, CPUs, like DX12, the big promise of DX12 was that it was going to use a lot more CPU, so shared resources, so that it was going to take demand off GPU, which allowed for better looking games, better streaming games, because it was better usage of the hardware, more efficient usage of the hardware. But that hasn't really happened. CPU, if you bring up your task manager when you're playing games, particularly if you've got a newer CPU, you notice that it's comparatively, like your GPU is probably maxed out. Your RAM might even be getting close to maxed out, depending on how big the game is. But your CPU is probably... I don't know, 30%. 30%. Yeah. yeah, maybe. And you're like, that's a lot of resources not being used. Yeah. And not that you necessarily want it to be getting close to 100 or whatever, but I mean, I've got a, I'm looking at it now, I've got an LED uh, on my CPU that measures the temperature. It's mm. currently at 32 degrees. We're doing a Skype call, whatever. I don't really ever see that get above 50. So like this thing is not really, I mean, I've got a good cooler on it, but. Yeah, my right. computer's not being pushed the way that I want it to be pushed. Yeah. And I find that whenever I go research, like for my next computer, mm. what I'll end up doing is probably just getting a new GPU, right? Like, I'm like, okay, CPU, no, don't need more RAM. I've got 32 gigabytes. Uh, CPU six core, like i7. I deliberately save up for a long time to go high end so that I don't have to upgrade. Right. And, and like you, for my last PC, I think I had it for six or seven years and just threw a new GPU in it. Yeah. And it's still, still good. A buddy of mine has it, and I think he's still playing on medium or high settings for most new games. Hmm. And my current computer is like, what, a year and a half, maybe two years old? getting close to two years and it kicks ass still. I mean, it doesn't have a, a 10, a 20 series, but uh 1080 Ti, yeah, doesn't really need another GPU. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, that was days gone. <laughs> and uh, days have gone since we started talking about it. Yeah. Um, Mike, keep, keep this Sony uh, wagon going. I checked out Blood and Truth. Oh, the VR game. Last week, I think. Yeah, it's a VR, a PlayStation VR exclusive. Um, this is made by Sony Interactive Entertainment London. Um, they worked on, they've worked on like a bunch of SingStar titles. Um, they worked on uh, Wonder Book. Do you remember that a couple of years back? I do. Remember it's like I a never kid's game. That. I think I got sent it and I never played it, yeah. Right. Um Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, and then after that, they worked on a uh, another uh, like a play a PlayStation VR Worlds, which had sort of like a collection of games on there. I guess the one that probably stands out that most people has probably seen, like you and I, is the the London High stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is sort of like an extension off of that. Um, so they they seem to be pretty involved in working with games that have peripherals. <laughs> um. It's the shtick. Yeah. I don't have a PlayStation VR. Um, I don't have a Vive. I don't have uh, any of those VR peripherals. The only experience that I have had with this sort of stuff is at, at preview events. Um, so I'm, I'm not an expert in any far stretch of, of like how the hardware works and other games. Job's probably a bit more in tune with that sort of stuff because he's got, he's got a VR headset. doesn't have a, a PlayStation VR, but... Um, you know he's played a bunch of them uh, I was pretty skeptical about 
some of this stuff. Like I obviously used it before and it works it works really well. The hardware is great. And um Yeah, man, I was pretty surprised by Blood and Truth. It is I guess a uh, coming off of the John Wick week where I saw the yeah. fucking film three times that week. Um <laughs> jumping into a VR experience with which was a, a shooter. Um you're basically this like special forces agent and um you're working through levels and the way i sort of looked at it once i was done is sort of like a time crisis um but you're able to sort of select where you want to stand and where you want to move to um so it uses the playstation vr headset you pop that on and then you use the move controllers which are those um controls with the little uh, domes on them and um and that's how it tracks your hand movements and whatnot and so on the actual control system is a couple of different buttons and that is how you sort of select in the world where you want to move to. And the way it does that is you look at an area in the world, um, a, uh, and if it's somewhere that you can go to, like a little indicator will come up on the screen and you hit the button and your character will start moving to that area. And it could be behind cover, could be behind a wall, a car, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's also a strafing button on there. So you can press... Uh, like strafe left and the character will move to the left a little bit and um, so you're not actually like free freely moving around this world you're sort of moving towards different like areas that have been set up for you to stand in um, and then from there it's like a you know time crisis game you sh- you're holding these controllers in your hand you've got a uh, a holster on you so you can look down to where your legs are supposed to be and there is a gun holster there and your gun is like sitting where it should be in the holster and so you put your hand down you pull the trigger or you know the button to pull out the holster and all of a sudden the gun is now in your hands and you can wave around uh do all that sorts of stuff um you can switch hands if you want um if you're left-handed right-handed whatever and then you start playing the game um you basically are working through levels and there are people coming at you you end up shooting them you run out of ammo and so how do you reload well you've got a vest on you have ammo clips in your vest so you use your for instance your left hand to look you can look down if you want um but you look at your vest you put your hand where your vest is click the button you've got ammo in your your hand now and then you slap it into the bottom of the gun reloads off you go you've got bullets in there again (laughs) Uh, and then, like, you're literally, you know, moving this gun around. There is an iron... Oh, well, this gun in particular, sorry, had, like, a red dot. So I find, I found that I could actually, like, close an eye and then use the, the like, red dot to sort of, like, shoot... shoot like, oh. get an accurate shot on people. Um, or once, I guess, you get really good, you can you can just have both your eyes open, whatever. But, like, I was just experimenting <laughs> with how it worked and whatnot. Thought it was really fascinating. But, yeah, man, it was so much fun, like it felt amazing like a how you bring like one of those classic old school time crisis games into the current generation and uh and for it to work outstandingly well um because your hand movements are mapped basically the way you expect them to do um you can do in the game like a there's like a bullet time mechanic where things slow down and you can see bullets coming at you really slowly and so from what I heard, and I didn't try it because it seemed quite hard, you could slow down time, pull a clip out of your gun, throw the clip in the air, and if you reloaded it, it would give you bonus damage or something like that. 
like some fucking John Wick shit. Right. Um, and then at certain points you could, uh, you couldn't actually see this, but you, you had a, like a gun holstered on your back as well. So like a, a submachine gun or something. So you could reach behind you, pull that out and also use that uh, as a weapon. Um, at one stage I had dual pistols. One had a silencer on it. And so I'm like, shh, you can't see this. Obviously people that are, are listening, but I'd have a, like a gun in each hand and I'd run out of bullets on my left hand. So I'd reach down my right with the gun still in my hand, get ammo. And then like slap it in that way or reload both guns at the same time. Um, just like really interesting ways of like doing all this stuff. And then you get to the point where you don't have to look down at your holster anymore or your, your ammo pack because you know where it is instinctively. So you just reach down and click the button and you start like just sprinting through these levels really quickly. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's things in the world you can interact with. There was, there was bottles I could sort of like, pick up and throw at people or people would throw grenades at you and you could um interact with them there were puzzle elements in the game there was one part where there was a uh, like a lock you had to break open uh, and uh you you get this lock pick and so in one hand you're holding uh, a device to open the lock with and in the other hand is like the second part of it and you're trying to pick this lock and moving it around it's like the sweet spots and eventually the lock opens um and then they take that a step further later on where there's like an electric barbed wire fence around the thing you need to lock. And so you've got to really be careful with your hand movements to make sure you're not, you know, hitting the fence. Otherwise you get zapped. Um, there was a part where you had to climb a scaffolding, like a building scaffolding. Um, eventually you get to a point and like you're like, oh, I don't know where to go from here. But there's indicators like, oh, this might be somewhere where I need to go because this scaffolding is a different color. So instinctively, like the game didn't tell me this, but I kind of just reached out and tried to grab onto it and my character grabbed onto the wall and started climbing. And so now I'm like using my hands to climb this wall and I'm working my way around the level now by climbing. Um, so that stuff is really cool because it like, it didn't tell me to do that. I just thought, what if I try this thing and see what happens? The same with the bottles, like... It didn't tell me I could throw bottles, but I just yeah. was like, I'm going to try and grab this bot. Okay, that worked. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> um, so that's really, yeah, man. Like, I had a lot of fun with this game. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's out next week. Um, it seems like Sony's putting a really, like, a lot of attention behind their VR stuff. They've obviously had a, a big focus on it in the past, but I feel like we're going to hear some more stuff through um through the next couple of of months at least especially with the announcement of them supporting playstation vr on the next generation of console yeah that it'll work i think they're going to do a hardware refresher at some stage um because that sounds to. sounds like they'll do it not that this one doesn't work because it's i was yeah i was having a lot of fun with it um and especially after like getting out of like seeing john wick and trying stupid stuff and like Watching other people play the game as well is really satisfying. Doing crazy things with your hands and whatnot. Um, they had us sitting on chairs and the, the TV was quite far away from us, but it wasn't until like my 40 minute session was up that I took the headset off and realized how far away the TV actually was. Like it just, you just kind of lose track of what's going on around you. Um, which is like what you kind of want from these games. You want to be immersed and, 
and sort of in this world. And when they start doing these things like being interact, uh, interactable objects or interacting with the world by being able to climb walls or scaffolding or, um, you know, grabbing ammo in the, in the, in the environment, like that sort of stuff is really cool. And, uh, finding different ways to sort of interact with, you know, what am I doing with my hands? You know, I could put my, my gun down and holster it. That stuff is, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm excited to see where we go in the future with this sort of stuff. Cause, um, I feel like everybody that I spoke to at this event after I'd played it was like, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And I can wholeheartedly agree with them. I was not expecting to have that much fun with it. I don't know if it's going to hold up all the way through. From what I understand, it's probably going to be like a six to eight hour experience. Right. Um, seems like they're, they're really, uh, focusing on like story elements they released a story trailer recently um but how they sort of change up what's going on in the game like are you just going to be walking around this environment shooting stuff or are they going to have like scenes driving out of a car or um because we've seen them do things like that in the past and i know there's going to be like some puzzle elements in there as well so yeah i'm excited to see what they do with more more with that game because it was fun i'm so yeah you guys should have definitely come along because I think you would have had a, a blast with it. I couldn't find anywhere to write about it. I always feel bad going along to... Unless they're like, hey, everyone come along. Yeah. Uh, you should have spoke about it on here, like me. Well, I, I didn't know I was going to be on here. Uh, were there any pencils in the game? Uh, any fucking, fucking pencils? pencils? <laughs> there wasn't. Missed opportunity. Maybe that comes later. Final boss fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... I dug it a lot. It's called Blood and Truth. It's out next week. Um, I don't know how much it's going for. I would assume it's not going to be a full release title because no, it's not. I'm looking now, and like even EB's got it listed for 54. So yeah, I mean, the what's the install base off the top of my head? PSVR is like a couple million, a couple of million, which means that you probably don't want to go all out you know, triple A 30 hour experience, probably don't even want that in VR to be honest. Um, especially when you're tapped out at maximum of 2 million people buying it. I think that guess the benefit of anyone who owns it is they probably feel obliged to buy what comes out for it unless it's utter trash. Yeah. Um, and the shooter games have always been fun. So you don't actually walk or teleport. You say where you want to go and then the character walks there for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Cause usually it's either, walking manually which a lot of people suffer from nausea when that happens yeah. or and the way around that is teleporting but i always found teleporting to feel a bit cheap yes but i mean the, eventually someone will figure it out and we'll get there but at least this way is like it's set places you can stand like the game wants you to be here it's sort of like the like time crisis had that part where it sort of moved you along once you finished yeah. an area and then occasionally it'd be like which direction do you want to go and you'd go down this way, whereas this is more like, here's all these objects in the world you can hide behind, and you sort of pick your own path, but you're not necessarily, like, it's not on rails, and it's not free roaming, but there's still, like, points that you can go to. Um, like, there were stealth sections in this game where, I, like, when I got the second pistol, it was a silencer, and you could probably stealth that whole section, but I fucked up and didn't kill somebody, so then a, a all out brawl started and i was like fuck it all right jewel guns let's go <laughs> yeah i'm sure you didn't mind <laughs> no no um but yeah man i had a lot of fun with it uh i think people if you're like clamoring for a playstation vr game hopefully it lives up to 
expectations because um, I, I enjoyed what I saw, like the the thirty to forty minutes that I played. Yeah, I uh, I always flirt with the idea of getting one. Yeah, I looked at the prices will, afterwards, and then realizing that I'm probably not going to use it enough to justify the price. So yeah, I might, might wait be- for the next like whatever the next one is because I think they'll probably have one out in the next uh, maybe year or so within the next year. Yeah, you'd imagine that'll be a big push because, I mean, the benefit of uh, better core hardware for any sort of VR, and, I mean, we saw that with the jump between the core PS4 and the PS4 Pro, Mm. right, was that it allows you to, like, you need to have 90 frames per second. And to have 90 frames per second, you've got to, like, lower the frame rate depending on the hardware. Not the frame rate, sorry. You've got to lower the resolution. So you want higher resolution and better frame rate and hopefully they go wireless which i'm pretty sure is where the pc ones are heading at the moment or have already had i think oculus just released something mm-hmm. uh and that makes a lot of sense because the wires are again Getting a pain, yeah. pain in the ass so if you can remove all of those barriers of entry and this first lot of vr headsets sorts out the problems that people have with it like the nausea and the frame rate and people have figured finally cracked that it's usually the second version or the third iteration of a technology where they fucking nail it, and that's where you want to jump in. So, yeah, if you've resisted for this long, yeah, why not? Yeah, I don't know there's other good things on there, stuff like uh, Resident Evil, which I would probably never play in VR anyway because uh, I never, pre- I, I didn't want to preview it in VR either. That seems too terrifying. You've seen the video of Job, haven't you? Yeah, I, um, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> yeah i didn't find it that scary i thought i was i would but yeah i didn't not in vr no hmm. but yeah, uh yeah but if you're susceptible to jump scares yeah absolutely you shouldn't right <laughs> all right that's the sony section <laughs> i think is it oh wait team sonic racing is that sony oh sega sega, sega. No, I, people are gonna be like what an idiot like f- fucking sega or you thought it was Sony? No, because I we don't really have Sega here in Australia, so I'm not sure who would be publishing that. Well, I can I can save you then and very briefly talk about uh, Crash Team Racing. Now I have to say it's slow because I'm like, does it have the character name first or team first? Which is what Team Sonic Racing obviously just took Crash Team Racing and said, how do we make it sound different enough? We can't say Sonic Team Racing. That sounds like a ripoff. We'll go Team Sonic Racing. Yeah, but Crash, which I've played a couple of times, is uh, what I'm from what I've told, I never played the original. Very faithful to the original, but also for me feels like just just a straight up Mario Kart ripoff. <laughs> like, right. sorry, Sony fans, like it just it is. I don't think it was trying to be anything different at the time. Uh, it's still good. It's still fun, but it's fun and good in the same ways that um, Mario Kart is. Right, like it's that exact experience where team sonic racing gets a little bit more credit for doing something different is that it actually does the team racing really Mm. well in that you are dependent on your teammates for victory like you can get first place but if your other two teammates whether they're ai or controlled by someone else if they go over the finish line last you're probably going to lose on a tournament overall uh, based on your standings right. so you're actually your teams like if every if the other team you're playing against the other two teams you're playing against consistently get second third and fourth or whatever or those sort of single digit placements they're probably going to beat you on the longer term so that's cool and they've really lent into the idea of the team aspect in that if you're going behind everyone you can follow this kind of like gold 
trail to get a speed boost. If you spun out, you can have someone like on your team zip by you and it will get you back into the race real fast. And you can also share your items that you pick up. So if you get something and you're like in first, like I don't need it, like hit the button and you'll offer it to someone on your teammate or one of your teammates, which is cool. And then you've got the team boost, which you have to, you have to hit at the same time for it to be effective. Uh, the biggest problem that it had, I mean, it's out now. So I've only, I played a preview like one or two weeks before it came out. Biggest problem that it has, at least then, was that it's so fucking busy mm. in its UI that it, I was figuring stuff out like uh, in my fifth, sixth, seventh race. You know, like I'm like, what is that? Because it's so fast. It is fast mm. and it is awesomely like gravity defying the way that the tracks curl around and stuff. It does a lot more of uh, that than even what Mario Kart did, I would argue, uh, which is great. And yeah. it, it definitely has that sense of speed that you get from a Sonic game and, and kind of translating those classic Sonic levels like the casino level, for instance, turning that into its own racetrack is fucking cool as shit. The music's fantastic, but that UI is so busy that you will be intimidated and you'll get lost. And th- there's a tiny little triangle because we're playing on PS4, a tiny little triangle for your team boost icon that pops up over your car. Yeah. We had to have people standing behind us watching going oh you, you specials up your team specials up and we're like what oh it's like it's not this big like of all the things to make small they make the most fucking important thing tiny <laughs> and then you've got like these giant pictures of faces in the corners of screens for like i don't know your position and then your teammates positions and pretty intimate like if they cleared the ui or give you the option to clear it out it's it's got some cool stuff going on and enough yeah. for like if you prefer co-op over competitive in your party games and you like your kart races, mm. that's definitely the market that it's going for. But if you're like the person that wants to come first and you know steal that win off someone with that blue shell at the last minute, then this is definitely not the game for you. Uh, it's definitely more team-oriented. And if so, But if that appeals to you, if you're sick of coming last in every Mario Kart game, you can actually come last with your buddies who come first and second and maybe win and be like, yeah, I helped. You mm. didn't. But uh, <laughs> you'll still win on a long enough scale. Yeah. And so that was on the PlayStation you played? Yeah. I mean, both of them. I mean, Crash. God damn, I have to look at what I've written down just so I don't say it wrong. Crash Team Racing is, uh, I think, is it PS4 exclusive? Maybe it's not. Anyways, we played both on both on PS4. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're both, like, they're both fun. But for me, Mario Kart is never a game that I've played by myself. Yeah. Um, I've always played it in party situations. I've always played it at least split screen with someone else because that's where it's fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not the kind of game that's designed to be played solo, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see why you'd want to do that with Team Sonic Racing or, or Crash Team Racing either. Mm. But there's a lot of fun. Again, like it's a perfect little party game. It's it's pretty easy to, to learn and, and they've got the same sort of philosophy of if you're kind of coming last, it seems to be that you get the boosts and if you're coming first, you get shit that you can drop behind you and stuff like that. So it's good fun. Just another kart game. Um, but if you're looking for something that's slightly different from Mario Kart, you can find it in either of those options. Cool. All right. Uh, the other game that I checked out was called Dauntless. And this is, uh, I believe it's just come out of like early access. Um, it's a free-to-play game. I would call it um, like a Monster Hunter Lite. Okay. Um, have you played any Monster Hunter games before? Not enough to no, <laughs> comment yeah. on them, no, yeah. I haven't played a lot. Like I've I've played them at preview events. Um I played the last Monster Hunter that came out. Um I World, right? Enjoyed parts of it. Yeah. 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 But at the end of the day I was just like 
I felt like there's too many issues with it, too many design issues that I didn't like. Um, so this Dauntless is basically an online action game where um, in Monster Hunter, you, you're basically going out in these environments and, and tracking down these giant beasts and trying to kill them. Uh, and eventually you, you'll kill them and you'll get items off of them and that allows you to craft new gear and, and that sort of thing. But they're in these environments you can go out with and there's other things going on in the world. There's like uh, different animals that you run into um, and, and you sort of go exploring it. You're actually like tracking them in a certain sense. Like you'll be looking for their footprints and then eventually you get enough of that information and it leads you to like, all right, you should be looking in this area over here. And, uh, you know, it can take a bit of time to do this sort of thing. Whereas Dauntless is more like a, I, I say it's like a light because from what I've experienced so far, you're pretty much just slaying giant monsters. Like there's no, no exploration. It just kind of pops you into an environment. Uh, you can sort of run around and collect, uh, crafting gear, things like, uh, uh, plants and whatnot. Um, but for the rest of it, it's just like, all right, I'm gonna, go around and uh and basically like kill these giant monsters that you can you can find um and so what ends up happening is you just sort of drop into this world run up to a monster and just start bashing it and i've played a couple of hours so far um there is not a huge variety at the moment in terms of sort of like the monster design they're all pretty pretty samey um sort of like all like all of them are on all fours sort of walking around they've all got tails and uh and you can you, you sort of just like bash at them until they die and sort of takes that monster hunter trope where you can like you can cut off their tails and that'll stop their tail attacks um or like you can focus on doing damage to a certain area certain area of their body and eventually they'll get wounded and you'll do more damage to that part um so like those sort of things are interesting interesting there's there's bits where i've come across like a um it's like a a monster that's they call them behemoths and uh like it's got a like a stone shell across it and then you sort of chip away at their stone shell like on their leg and eventually their leg is exposed or their tail is exposed and their head is exposed and so you're chipping away at different aspects of their their body and uh and that allows you to do more damage and eventually it's like all right they'll sort of flee and run away and then it's like stage two you gotta go find them again and then they've got different move sets you gotta try and figure out how to battle them um so in terms of that aspect it's very similar to that sort of monster hunter like what monster hunter does but i think the variety is there at the moment that i've seen so far and i've slain like seven monsters at the moment um other than that, like, hey, this is the ice monster, or this is the fire monster, and this is the grass one. They're all pretty similar in terms of their designs, or sort of what they're doing. Whereas Monster Hunter's like, here's a fucking T-Rex, and here's this flying giant moth thing. Um, you know, it, they're, they're, there's a bit of variety in sort of what they do. Um, so, yeah, other, like, it's, from what I've experienced so far, that's purely what the game is. You're just going out, killing these giant behemoths. Uh, and trying to figure out like what their attack patterns are, um, and then getting crafting materials out of them, and then um, upgrading your weapons or upgrading your armor, and then you know going out and getting the next level thing that you want to go fight. Because there's a leveling system, um, 
you level up your gear, you level up your uh, weapons, and then they've got attack power, and that kind of kind of lets you progress through the different behemoths that the world's got. And then it does the thing that Monster Hunter does, where uh, you know you can replay the same behemoths over and over again, and that allows you to get um, like check marks off this sort of this book that they've got, and then that gives you rewards. So you're sort of incentivized to go back and replay them a bunch, um, try different weapons try uh you know different ways of sort of taking this thing down um you know monsanto was very into that sort of stuff but yeah at the end of the day like from what i've played so far it's pretty like it seems like it's got some fun stuff in there but it's very low-key like there's not a lot going on it seems like a great start um but just the world is like empty there's not much going on like i if if it was going out and exploring and like actually trying to hunt these things that'd be pretty cool but that's not really what's happening it's just kind of like a run around and just you know either shoot or attack these things that are in the world um and it's free to play so they've got the the fortnite the call of duty the PUBG style um uh, like book that you can buy like the season pass where it's got two tiers here's your main one where it's all free and you can go along and unlock things cosmetically in the game or you can buy the season pass and you get bonus upgrades and and all that sort of stuff so um, from what i understand it's all purely cosmetic from what i can see so far i had a right. quick look through i couldn't find anything that was like um you know extra damage on weapons like a pay to win type stuff it did look like it was all cosmetic from what i saw which is good um, but yeah, it's it just, there's not a lot going on unless I'm missing something. Like I tried watching a bunch of streams yesterday, the top five Twitch channels were everybody was in a menu looking at like stuff. And eventually I found like, oh, this guy's actually in a game fighting something. And it looked like the stuff that I was experiencing. Um, you can play it with a team. Uh, a group of people, much like Monster Hunter, it sort of in- incentivize you to go out and play with other people. Okay. Um, at the moment, it's quite buggy. Um, the one that I keep running into is there is a, a hold E to interact with stuff, um, either pick up crafting items or mine this resource, or um, in the world there are these like uh, deposits of like a healing pool or something. There's, there's some sort of thing you can interact with on the ground and it allows you to heal. And uh, generally, from what I found, they're in areas where you'll fight these behemoths. So it's like, all right, I'm going to back off and heal myself. Um, but I've had issues where the you hold E and just like nothing happens. Like it doesn't register that you're picking this thing up and like you press E again and then just nothing. It takes like a couple of times for it to, to sort of register. And so, uh, like, out in the world, when you're trying to r- get resources, I think that's... It hasn't been a huge issue for me, but when I'm running around and trying to heal in the middle of a fight, then that's a problem, because <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, like, it's not working. Oh, fuck. Like, I've just wasted a bunch of time. So that's a problem. The other issue is the uh, the game has disconnected me from the server a couple of times. Uh, yesterday I was playing, it happened three times. Uh, over the span of about, I don't know, two hours. Um, that can be a problem because some of these fights can last a little while, 15, 20 minutes. I'm sure the lot, the other fights can, you know, last even longer when you're, when you're trying to learn them. Um, 
because it gives you about half an hour to to actually do it. Like there's a, there's a countdown. You need to get it done in a certain amount of time. So that's a bit of a pain because you don't you lose your progress. Um, it takes a bit of time to spin up a server because the first time you go out bounty hunting, like you you basically have a bounty board. You click on the animal you want to go find. It says it's looking for a server. That takes a little bit of time. Eventually, a server will, will be found, and then it'll throw you in there, and off you go. So it is spinning up servers. From what I get, gather, um, if you are in Australia, it does seem to be spinning up Australian servers because uh, I was getting about 14 ping. I used a bunch of network resource tools that I've got to try and figure out where the fuck I was getting attached to. Um, in saying that, there was some like laggy situations sometimes that I was noticing with like it just warping around a little bit. And then on top of that, disconnects. Um, and also, like I've heard of people having issues with getting into queues. Like, like yesterday in particular, there was a lot of server problems. And uh, that was kind of like their launch window. They launched the night before. Um, I didn't play it much that night. I played like 20, 30 minutes and then went to bed. Um, woke up and just heard that they're having all sorts of server issues. But when I jumped on... They said they fixed it, but then I was getting those disconnects. So I don't know if that was something else or what was going on, but that was pretty annoying. Um, so I haven't had a great experience with it so far. Like I kind of get where they're going, but it just seems pretty bare bones for what, like, what is out there at the moment. Um, and hopefully they can build upon that because, like, yeah, there's interesting ideas there. The and, and I like the the whole idea of like learning boss battles and attack patterns and finding out what their weaknesses are and how to destroy them and whatnot. Um, that was always a cool part of Monster Hunter. It just didn't, wasn't executed great. And it seems like this is even a step down to that. So, yeah. It's called Dauntless. It's out now on PC, PlayStation, Xbox. Crossplay. It's the first crossplay game on PlayStation as well. Um, so you can play with your friends on whatever platform you want. Definitely sounds like not my kind of game. Probably not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure we'll get some it. some messages from people saying like, "Hey, it's really cool." Uh, yeah, it probably is. Uh, I just wasn't a fan of. I I enjoyed the idea of Monster Hunter. I just didn't think they pulled it off very well. Um, I wish it was better than what I played because. Yeah. And what was Dauntless. the Steam rating? Do you know? Dauntless. No idea. Yeah. yeah. It's an epic. Uh, I think it's on the Epic Store. Oh, it's not on. It's not on Steam. Right. No. I'm running a uh, free Epic Store. One of one of those. I'm running a lot of games on the Epic Store lately. Because they're not available on Steam. Yeah, because everyone's going Epic. More money. We got to go back to World War Z at some point. Did you or did you refund it? Or did you I get ne- it? I never got it. You never got it. <laughs> no. All right, I'm going to go back with Job then. No. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Splitgate. Yeah, have you played about it? early access games. I have not played it yet. No. It was supposed to launch the other day, and they delayed it last minute. Uh, it's going to be free to play, so you people can be free to play it, which is good. Um, but what it is, in its very, very basic pitch, is it's Halo meets Portal. That's the best way to describe it. It's arena-based combat. Um, I was expecting it to be kind of like more like quake to be honest like a lot faster paced but with the portals so you've got the portal gun and you can shoot a, an entry portal and an exit portal just as you would in any of the portal games except now you've got guns as well so you can do sure. some pretty crazy uh trick shots you've got the same sort of physics at play where if you put one portal high or low or whatever and you jump through it you'll get the speed to be able to shoot out mm. 
Uh, and then it's yeah, the shooting feels very much like Halo, and the guns even feel like they're inspired by Halo. In fact, the movement speed is probably a little bit on the slower side for me. Uh, I kind of wanted it to be a little bit faster to to match that kind of three-dimensional thinking that you can do with the portals. You can go through other people's portals. You can obviously shoot projectiles through portals, although sure. I didn't really experience too much of that. And this was during its beta phase. Uh, there were Australian servers, so mm. that's important. It also seemed that people were already running their own servers. Like I went on to a low-gravity Instagib server, which was a lot of fun. It's kind of flying across the sky and taking those sort of railgun-style shots and watching someone get messed up and ragdoll around the place. I don't really have anything to say beyond that. I'm glad that they made it free to play. I'm not sure how they're going to monetize it. It seems like one of those games that will live or die based on its initial interest. Yeah. Um, because the the core premise will either grab you or it won't. I don't think it's going to be able to do anything uh, massively major that's different outside of that. But it's certainly a kind of game that I would I'm going to try it launch when it actually comes out, you know, um, have a few games, see if it's that kind of quick fix, 15 to 30 minute, you know, kind of warm up or yep. having a break kind of game as opposed to something that's a bit more like Mordhau or Battlefield where you kind of end up carving off an hour or more to mm. to make sure that you have a decent game. This one seems to be a little bit more yeah, quick to play. There's the much smaller maps. I think it was maybe 10 to 16 players or something like that. There was uh, deathmatch and, and team deathmatch modes as well. But uh, it was fun. It definitely rewards headshots. Yeah. And uh, the arsenal was was pretty tight from what I played with. You can play against bots if you want to learn the ropes offline. I think it's... Sure. it's it, map knowledge in any first-person shooter is essential. Hmm. But in this one, I think it's particularly essential because it's not just learning where things are where weapons drop and stuff like that but it's also learning where you can pop portals and how that changes how you approach certain areas so there's yeah. definitely another level of experimentation and and knowledge to levels that uh and things to take into account uh, like attack vectors like a choke point might not be a choke point for long if someone's left a portal above you or something like that yeah. so it has the potential to have these kind of amazing clips and awesome flanks and bullshit mm. shots but, uh, I mean, I only played a little bit of it initially and, again, waiting for release to hopefully have a player base to go through some matches and, and see what's going on there. But for someone who's wanted a, a proper kind of Halo experience on PC for a while, uh, even though there was that that mod, that very unofficial Elder, Elder Rider, I want to say, um, which you can still play, uh, that was cool. Uh, and I think, obviously, when Microsoft's announced that they're bringing some stuff which will be great because like with the higher frame rates and keyboard mouse aiming i had a lot of fun out about you but i had a lot of fun with the original halo that gearbox ported on pc and it had like a flamethrower and shit like that mm. and it was a bit clunky in ways but like it just felt better on pc to be able to like get pull off some headshots and shit like that consistently which meant sure. there was fewer people just jumping around you know like doing that angle attack downwards because well you're gonna jump you're really slow i'm just gonna ping you in the head three times and you're dead see you later uh so yeah it'll definitely scratch that itch i hope until something official is released like later this year isn't it when they when they say for halo i'm talking about master chief collection no idea oh <laughs> well it doesn't follow his halo news this no, guy apparently don't fly it. Um, but yeah, Splitgate looks interesting. I've seen a lot of videos. It looks uh, pretty pretty hardcore. 
Yeah, right. Well, what I played was not hardcore. It's not to say that it won't be that, but like it yeah. was pretty easy to pick up and play. But like I said, there's definitely that depth, depth of yeah. learning. Um, and I'm sure that there will be some bullshit plays that come out of that. But it was also not so intimidating that I felt like I was going to get my ass handed to me. The, you were rewarded for having you know, your basic core shooter skills hmm. intact. And then you can get things like you can do the high risk plays to get to the, the rocket launcher and stuff like that, which one hit kills people. And I can already see the chat filled with people calling you cheesy for, <laughs> for going for it or the railgun type weapon. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun. And, yeah. and again, free to play, no barrier of entry. So hopefully it doesn't get so popular that cheaters infiltrate it, but it yeah. gets popular enough that there's matches to find. What a, what a weird point to want games to exist in when they're free to play. Yeah, I remember the logo is like a it's like a sports logo. It's like blue and white, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It looks. Uh, I I was calling it uh, Slipgate for the longest time, but no, it's Splitgate. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Slipgate makes Split. more sense. <laughs> Probably was taken though, right? Because that's like a sci-fi thing, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah, they're like let's move some of the letters around. Yeah, they're like, well, we're going to get sued if we do that. Mm, split gate? There are two gates, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it still works. It's fine, as long as it's good. But uh, I'm not sure. I don't even think they said an ETA. They just said that they're working hard on it, and there were some bugs that they hadn't anticipated, and they clearly want to hit the ground running. I think that's with Steam. You kind of get two strikes, right? Like, you can have an early access game that's disastrous, even, and then you can fix it to a point, and you get that second chance where it just launches 1.0, and your and your likes reset or your, your rating resets. The one I'm thinking of is, do you ever play uh, Wreckfest? No. It's cool, man. It was a mm. THQ racing game, uh, awesome physics and stuff like that. I'm not really into racing games, but yeah. I, had, I had fun with what I played. But if you went and followed it at early access stage, it was like, at some stage, it was like, I think mostly negative. And they turned that right around, like credit to them. It doesn't yeah. happen often. Like you might be able to turn a mostly positive into a very positive or even a positive, but you don't often see the, the chalk and cheese stuff yeah yeah right fair enough uh what else we got here um ah oh, i i guess i talk about uh mobile games quite a bit around here um i like getting getting on my phone i play a lot uh, i don't know about you but empires and puzzles is like my jam at the moment and uh is that a game or is that a genre no it's it's a, it's a game empires and puzzles that's yeah. not a fucking game that's a description it's it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like match match three games and okay. um yeah there's a bunch of like different levels you play through and whatnot that's like my my obsession for the last couple of months and uh and on top of that candy crush friends candy crush friends i think it's called yeah something like clearly that. not an obsession if you don't know what it's called well because i've got like three different fucking candy, candy crushes Crush games on here <laughs> that i uh like my, my games that i actually play quite a lot of because joe and i talk about this all the time we're looking for games to play their own mobile the, um, the other one i installed recently is pokemon rumble rush um haven't played a lot of that but i'll, I'll get to it eventually um but yeah candy crush friends and empires and puzzles are the two that uh i check pretty much daily uh, Empires and Puzzles at least like two or three times a day. I get in quite a lot of trouble for checking it that often. Um, so yeah, man, like the thing is I can never find any, like we're always looking for good games to play on, on mobile and occasionally there's some some good ones out there, but most of the time there's not a lot. And Apple was was kind enough to uh, loan me an iPhone to check out some of the games on 
on their platform because they've got a huge selection as well that uh, I don't usually get a chance to see. And one of the games that I've been playing is called The Gardens Between. And it is a game that we talked about a couple of years back that we saw at PAX. And um, I walked away really liking it. It's from an Australian team called The Voxel Agents. And it's sort of like a uh, sort of like a puzzle game um, yeah, right. where you're playing as these two kids who get stuck in this sort of like fantasy world. Um, the way the, the levels are designed are sort of like you're walking around them in a circle and uh, and you're trying to get to like the peak of the the level, which is the top. And I guess the way you look at it is every time you sort of go around, it's like a, uh, I guess like a cone. And so you're sort of walking your way up, up this giant hill um, in a circle. And along this way, you run into different puzzle elements. And the way you move in this environment is by holding... Uh, left to go forward and that sort of moves time along with you and then the way that you go backwards is you know you hold left and that'll take you backwards and while you're doing this the sort of environment changes as, as well as you moving and you'll get to points in the in the environment where you gotta try and figure out like what a puzzle is um, for instance I can I can talk about this moment where in the game you get to a point where one of the characters will stand on a plank of wood and then on top of that that plank of wood is like a giant hacksaw because everything is sort of like expanded out and over the top. Like they're basically, the, the way the world is designed is they're looking at their past memories and um, like, hey, here's a giant TV that's sort of sitting in this world or here's a giant uh, like controller that's plugged in or a lamppost or a, a lamp, a lampshade. Um, and so you'll get to this part in this this particular level you you jump on this uh, like a saw that's sort of halfway through a plank of wood and you jump on it and when you jump on it it sort of moves down and cuts the wood a little bit and you can keep walking forward and nothing will happen but if you keep jumping backwards on the, the wood so moving time forwards and backwards this character will keep jumping on the wood and jumping off it and eventually it'll cut the wood in half and that'll allow like a ramp a new ramp to form and then the the other character then can then start walking up that and that'll allow you to progress further in the level. Um, and so they do, that's sort of the way they introduce puzzles and ways that you can sort of figure them out. Uh, there's things like you'll run into these orbs in the world and um, like one character will pick them up and the other character will keep moving in the game and you've got to try and figure out like what the puzzle behind it is that you need to do. Sometimes there'll be objects in the world that'll like take that light away from you and you've got to try and figure out how do you stop that thing from happening. Um, and generally it's like once you go forward a little bit more, you'll find something along the way that allows you to interact with something and that'll maybe switch that part of the device off and oh, all of a sudden you can go backwards again and then pick up that lamp and then progress forward to the next area. Um, yeah, and then like each world is sort of like a different memory for these kids. And so you'll start off and it's like, oh, here's like a, you know, like I said before, like a giant TV with a console set up and you're sort of progressing through the level. And the next one might be um, like a like a treehouse or something like that. So, um, and each time they sort of do this, they're sort of introducing new puzzle elements to you and ways to sort of figure out how you progress through each environment. Um, so for instance, there's one part where you've got these you got this like lamp thing that I was talking about that you need to carry. Um, 
but you you can put them on these blocks. And once you do that, when you start moving forward throughout the world, as time goes forward, the environment starts changing. And so, for instance, that block might move and jump somewhere else in the world, like interacts with the world. And uh, eventually, like one of the levels was there was about five or six of these different blocks that were moving around. And you needed to figure out like which light you needed to put the block on. And the way that the level was designed was there were different paint buckets spread throughout this environment. So eventually there'd be different paint on these blocks and you can kind of figure out like the the last place these blocks would end up. And then you'd be like, all right, well, I know which block I need to sort of focus on while this level is spinning around. And eventually that's like the way to solve the puzzle. Um, So yeah, there's some really interesting and smart ideas that are going on there in terms of like really simple mechanics of moving like all you're doing is moving forwards and backwards in the game but you're interacting with the world and you know cause like causing these objects to behave differently depending on what you've already done in the environment as well um so they can get a little bit complex so that's you know there's some some cool puzzle solving sort of things that are going on uh the game looks really pretty the uh like the art style is fantastic i remember seeing it like a couple years back and that was like one of the standout games to me when I walked away from from PAX having played it. Um, I feel like it was maybe the one that you you might have been there at that PAX. That one PAX. That one PAX <laughs> that you were there. Yes. It might have been that one. It was like two years back. Um, but yeah, the the game is out on iPhone now. Um, it was released on on other platforms before on like your your uh, console platforms and whatnot. But this one is designed at the moment for um for touch touch screens and it works really well super intuitive it's like i said really basic you just move left or right on the screen and it moves these two characters for you and that's pretty much in it runs really great um i did talk to the developers a little bit and they've got it running at 30 frames at the moment and they're talking about like they're pretty comfortable with thinking they can bump it up to 60 um so that may come in an update later on for some of these devices but um yeah, man, it's it's a really awesome looking Australian game that I think people should definitely check out if you've got a an iPhone and you enjoy um, if you enjoy like good quality phone games because we don't see a lot of them. A lot of it is like free to play microtransactions with like um, these energy mechanics that I don't really enjoy too much, and some of them feel a bit too like I don't know. They're just kind of trying to take advantage of people Um, they fucking harass you as well like you install it you enjoy it and then every three hours you're getting this fucking oh this so-and-so needs this and you got this in the game you're like like i want to play you when i want to play i don't want you to bother me yeah yeah and i I feel like it's hard to find really good mobile games Um, yeah so yeah i'm I'm really really liking what they're doing um like what what this team is doing especially what apple's doing in in the gaming scene because they're pushing a lot of interesting games like i've had a look at um their library and there's there's a lot of stuff on there that that looks great um and there's even stuff on there that has shown up in my account that games that i used to play on my back when i had an iphone but i'm like these were really good games like why (laughs) why is it i can't find this sort of stuff these days on because i play most of my games on android and a lot of it is just man a lot of it is just junk like free to play junk you look at like top 10 list and 
It is just stuff that is not interesting to me at all. It's not appealing. And I don't want mobile games to go that way. I remember, I remember the days of like your, when these types of devices first came along, your Fruit Ninjas and your, your Jetpack Joyrides and Cut the Rope and things like that. Really fun, fun games. And you just don't see, well, I don't see a lot of those anymore. But, um, so I'm keen to check out some more stuff on the iPhone because, yeah, that's kind of where things kicked off. And uh, still these days, you see a lot of developers being like, I'm going to put my game out on the iPhone first. And you're like, all right, fair enough. Cool. <laughs> Except if you're on an Android phone, like yeah. most people. Yeah. So Apple's clearly cornered the market there, you think? Well, like it seems like they're on a, big, a big push at the moment on uh, on games. Um, they obviously uh, announced that, uh, that new subscription service that's coming later on in the year, uh, which would be smart. a big deal. Yeah, super smart. Um, so we'll, we'll find out more information about that and sort of what that's going to entail. It'll be like your you know your Netflix video games or your, your Game Pass for things that Xbox do or the EA Pass that EA does. Um, like what games are on there and sort of how much that's going to cost each month will be interesting. And whether or not they tie it into anything else. Um, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But I'll definitely be talking about more iPhone games now that I've got this to sort of play around with. Because um, there's a couple that I've been told about I should check out, and I'm, I'm definitely keen to, to see what else is on that platform. Yeah, it's it's a shame about Android, though. Like, I know usually before every press trip, I'll go and have a look at the latest list of best games for Android, and yeah, I, I just end up scrolling through it and going, nah, that, that sounds like shit. Yeah. The only kind of cool things are like, uh, and I still haven't got around to playing it, even though I own it, is things like Knights of the Old Republic and kind of those older games that have made their way right. to these sort of devices where you're like, I mean, that's predominantly what turn-based combat, so I'm not mm. going to be too put off by that when it comes down to it. I'm like, that kind of makes sense to port to that. But outside of that, yeah, you're right, man. Like, Outside of Plants vs. Zombies 2, and that game bothers the fuck out of you if you <laughs> have it installed, like with notifications, that game I've put in... I don't know, 40, 50 hours. Yeah. I stopped playing it for like years and then I'll go back to it and they've put in this massive update, a new world, um, and still haven't spent a cent. (laughs) So that game was a lot of fun. But I haven't had one since then. I tried that Assassin's Creed one a while ago when I was in early access and that didn't gel with me. I got into Fallout for a while, but then that got a bit stupid. So I'm pretty sure they've fixed them since then. But if you happen to play them too early when they hadn't properly balanced stuff, you just find that it was massively grindy. Hmm. And you'd start to see, like you talked about, the idea of seeing behind the curtain and seeing that they either want you to pay money or they want you to only play certain times a day because you're working on a meter and there's diminishing returns and you've done your fucking daily. So what's the point? Yeah, yeah, right. It's... Yeah, and no, I agree. There's a lot of uh, ordinary stuff out there. But no, Gardens Between, um, definitely recommend it. it. It like won a bunch of uh, awards way, way back. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something people have checked out. It looks like the style of it. It's just really an interesting sort of art style um, that I think people would, would dig. The only My only concern is maybe the price. Um, How much is it? Not a hundred percent sure, but um, let me have a quick look. At the moment, it's telling me it is twenty dollars USD on the App Store, but I don't know if that's the Mac, the Mac, maybe the Mac version or something. Um, it's probably something I should have looked up, but anyway. 
So there's definitely like a hesitation when the price gets too much. I, I love that cartoon that I can't remember which generation phone it was released for, but it was like someone goes and buys a new iPhone and it's like a thousand dollars, and then they have to pay five bucks for a game and they're raging about it, like five dollars for a game, my thousand dollar device. Um, yeah, says here five bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not too much. You yeah, pay five bucks. I was bucks. looking at the Mac store, which is the the obviously the the PC Mac version. Um, but yeah, five bucks. I think it's a you know reasonable price. Um, I I don't mind paying money for games that are on mobile devices that aren't going to be spewing up ads all the time or have some sort of yeah. hey you can only play this game for ten minutes until the energy runs out. Um, yeah, I don't enjoy that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I'm more than happy to pay money for for good games um, that aren't going to annoy me with like the freemium sort of content. So yeah, because fuck that shit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll definitely be talking about more iPhone stuff to come all right anyone who has an iphone yeah um, no one on the show (laughs) (laughs) what else we got here i think we're running towards the end uh let me check yes we are uh so the last game that i've been playing came out i think it was yesterday it's called observation it is a hmm how would i put this it's a it's an indie game published by devolver um (laughs) <laughs> just happened to be wearing that today my shirt hey, on brand um it's a science fiction thriller game mixed with some sort of adventure elements so you're basically in this game you are awoken on a space station um but you're not a person you are the ship's ai okay hmm and uh there's another character there's a there's a person on the ship who who awakes and her name is Emma, and she is giving you commands to try and uh, figure out what is going wrong on this ship. Um, so initially, she starts off with pretty basic stuff. So she'll be like, "Hey, um, your name is Sam, and the ship's AI's name is Sam." And she'll be like, "Hey, Sam, can you, um, you know, are your systems okay? Can you authenticate me?" And she'll say like her name, and up on the screen will come up like a a, a waveform like uh you know her talking and you can either abs- accept or re- reject like her like identity like her telling you stuff and the first time she talks to you um the audio is like cutting out a little bit so you can sort of fuck around with it and be like yeah actually reject because you know that didn't work properly and then she'll be like oh damn it and then say the sort of same same line again but this time it could be a bit more crisp like the, the audio is coming through probably this time and then you can be like, all right, accept. I recognize your authentication and now you can start giving me commands. Um, and then she'll be like, hey, can you run a ship's diagnostics? Uh, tell me what systems are up. And then so you're basically opening up menus in the game and running through, like interacting with items on the screen and being like, all right, I need to communicate this information back to Emma and let her know what's going on. So... You open up like a screen that's got ship diagnostics on it and it's like, oh, here are all the systems that are running and here are the ones that have failed. And you'll click a button to like tell her about the ones that are failing and then like bits of dialogue will play out. Um, and sort of there's like this backwards and forwards of her like talking to herself or like tra- talking to you as the ship's AI. And uh, and then that's, that's where the journey begins. It's like her trying to figure out what has gone on on this ship. Like where's the rest of her crew gone? Um, 
like why is there all this damage on the ship and and uh yeah and eventually sort of puzzling the pieces together what's what's happening exactly the game all up is probably about a, a six to eight hour experience um very narrative driven it's not super complex it's basically a, a giant puzzle game um you are a lot of it is interacting with objects on a screen or your interface and trying to relay information back or trying to fix certain things that are going on there is um a tiny there's a bit of movement most of the time you're actually looking through the ship's cameras so there's different cameras set up um throughout the ship and each the, the ship is sort of split up into different hubs it's if you sort of think of it like the international space station um so there's like a, a hub where the the chinese are and there's like a russian hub uh you know a, a un hub um and as the game progresses you sort of go through the different hubs in the ship to try and figure out like where where everybody is are there other people alive like what happened to these other people um and trying to get all these systems back online so you can sort of get around and eventually it's like all right you put yourself in like a sphere and it's this sphere that can rem- that can move around the environment and that allows you to navigate the ship and uh, interact with with things a little bit more um to the point where it's like all right now you're outside the ship and you're looking at damage like outside the ship what's sort of gone wrong and uh and trying to you know relay that information back to emma um i really enjoyed this game a lot it is extremely like atmospheric they do a great job with like all the detail that's going on in the game um i was a bit hesitant when i first started playing the game because I was told it is a science fiction thriller game, but the moment I started up, I was like, this is a fucking horror game. I'm going to have the shit scared out of me. Like I am not, I didn't, I wasn't up to play that game at that point. It is not a horror game. It's got horror elements, I would say. Um, but they don't do like, it's not like they're doing jump scares or anything like that at you. It's just more like the atmosphere of things that are going on. Um, and that sort of stuff. So, if you're like thinking about picking it up but you're not sure about like the horror like you don't get fucking shit scared out of you (laughs) by like creepy fucking like ghost people coming out of nowhere like it doesn't do that sort of stuff no that kind of game no it is very um like all the lights are turned off and what is going on like powering up subsystems and making things switch back on there is obviously an overall overall story of weird shit that's going on but I won't dive into any of that sort of stuff um, there are a couple of cases that I did get lost because eventually the ship is pretty big that it it gets you to roam around in. Um, and to start off with, it's it's quite small and you kind of work your way around it pretty easily. But eventually, once you start getting the whole ship unlocked and it allows you to sort of traverse to different areas of the ship, when it asks you to do some some of the tasks, you'll be like, oh, okay, I've got to open up this menu. And be like, all right, whereabouts in the ship am I looking for this part, that it, this thing that I need to do? Because um, it'll be like a map, the, the ship that you can sort of look at. And, and then be like, all right, I want to go to this camera over here. Uh, and then you look in that room and be like, all right, where's the things I need to sort of... Where's the computer I need to access to jump into um, to, to look at stuff? And sometimes it'll be like someone's computer laptop and there's a password on it. So you need to find the password to get into it. And maybe the password is stuck up on a wall in their room somewhere um or maybe it is in uh i don't know like a audio log or something like that so 
there's there's those type of puzzle elements in there and there's other bits that it kind of throws at you and whatnot but for the most part it is you um interacting with objects on a screen and uh and like figuring out like puzzles pretty much and advancing the story and that sort of thing um so yeah not a horror game it's no not not a horror game (laughs) at all at all uh it is uh i mean there's a couple moments in there where i did get a bit lost like i said and that was mainly because it was just bits of it too big like there was one point where it's asking me to to restart some servers and uh the thing that i needed to do was basically next to where I was standing or where, where my, my robot man was floating around. But at that point I started like looking at the map and being like, where the fuck is the server room in this thing? And like investigating all these different rooms. And it wasn't until I spent like half an hour looking around that I eventually got back to this room and was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing. I've looked in every room like a bunch of times. And then I looked a little bit left of like, or right of the thing it told me to like where I initially started and there was some as someone who's worked in IT, I was like, "That's a server right there, fuck." <laughs> and then I went over to it, and yeah, funnily enough, Whoops. it was what I needed to interact with. Mm. So there was like two two occasions where I got a bit bit lost. Um, the other occasion was the first time I went out in the spaceship uh, outside, and it wanted me to reset some clamps, and I did not know where I was supposed to go because I may have wandered off to an area I wasn't supposed to be in. Um. So yeah, I got a bit lost. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck that! I'm going this way." Maybe my fault, but anyway, yeah. uh, it's a really enjoyable game. I think. Um, I think if you're in, into those t- types of things, like those, I mean, this isn't really a walking simulator, but it's it's sort of along that vein where it's very narrative di- driven. You, you're obviously doing more than some of those, like Gone Home slash uh firewatch games like there's more interaction in there and there's some really smart things they do with like just the way you you're like interacting with people and like hey you're the ship's ai like how would you behave um obviously they take a lot of inspiration from things like space odyssey um and uh you know very sci-fi driven driven shows and the game looks like outstanding like it's a really good looking game too um so I it's hard not to recommend it. I've checked out a couple of reviews. Seems to be doing pretty well. Like a lot of people really like it. So I don't know who I wouldn't recommend it to at this stage. Um cuz I think the story is is great. It's so so like like drags you in like you want to know what has gone on and then it gets to place and you're like holy shit like all right where's it going to go next type stuff. And I don't think the ending, ending is disappointing. I've seen a couple of people say it was disappointing. Um I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed where it went. And, um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what else these guys do. So that's called nice. Observation. It's from, um, it's published by Devolver. It is available on the Epic Store. It's an Epic exclusive. Ah. And it's on PlayStation 4 as well. I think it's, yeah, PlayStation 4. Yes. So check that out. It's not a lot of money. I think it was like 20 bucks around there, 20 to 30 bucks. Um, so in saying that, I checked out their other game that they made two years ago called Stories Untold because it's oh, free yeah. at the moment on Epic. If you go to the Epic Game Store, Epic Game Store, um, you can actually play this game for free, or you can add it to your library for free. Um, 
I think it runs out in, I think it's next week is when it stops being free. Uh, somebody, I know a couple of people in our, our Discord channel pointed this out. At that stage, I'd already played um, Observation and uh, I'd already picked up Stories Untold, but I wanted to see sort of what what else they'd done. And uh, it's a very similar game in terms of like you are interacting with stuff in the world and uh, like things on a screen and whatnot. In particular, um, Stories Untold is sort of like a it's got like this 80s vibe going to it. Um, it reminds me a lot of Stranger Things, I guess yeah, you right. could say. Um, like the tone of it. Uh, and they're split up into four stories. And the first story, just to tell you a little bit about it, it's like you start off and you're looking at a an old school like 70s computer. And there is a uh, a keyboard on the, on the the desk and a, a lampshade and a, a phone on the wall and you're pretty much just like that's all you can look at it's not you're not moving around you're just looking at the screen and all of a sudden like the the monitor flickers up and it's got a, a game on it and uh it starts like text-based game so it's like one of those old school like zork type type tech-based adventures and you can start like you start playing the game so you start typing it'll tell you like you know, your car is rocked up and, and there's a house in front of you. Like, what do you do? It's like, all right, you can look around the car. Like, you like type, look around, and it tells you what's in the car. There's a glove box. All right, open glove box. And then there's a note in the glove box and some keys. And then you leave the car and you're all typing all this information. And you're eventually, like, uncovering this story as it goes along. Um, and then, uh, yeah, eventually it goes places and you're... Um, your sort of interaction with the world and the way things sort of unfold is is uh you know is in the span of probably about 40 minutes like they're not long they're not really long stories each one is about 40 minutes to an hour depending on how quickly you can get through it and uh and then you go to the next one and the next one is like you're looking at this uh this room and there's a bunch of equipment on the screen there's like an x-ray machine and a drill and a monitor um, and there's someone talking to you and, and like they're running experiments and they're trying to tell you like how to progress through the experiments. Uh, and then the third story is you on like a, um, like a, an Antarctic, uh, station and there's, you know, you're, you're communicating with two other people and they're trying to get you to run these experiments and you're looking at this screen and they're telling you in- input codes and, uh, you can like look at another screen and it's like telling you what you should be entering onto this screen and like it's all this puzzle solving stuff again um and so yeah all these all these like short stories are sort of different ways that you can again interact with the world and yeah they sort of just play out in these uh, really interesting ways i think that uh it's not anywhere near as good as observation uh i think observation is like a solid eight nine out of ten um Whereas Stories Untold has a couple of design issues, particularly the 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 text-based adventure thing can be a bit like nitpicky, because as as someone who maybe hasn't played a lot of them, you might find a bit of trouble trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, because um, it doesn't really give you much information. It's kind of like here's some basic commands, like look around or use key or things like that. Unless you don't like, if you haven't played those types of games, it could be hard for you to sort of know what you're supposed to do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just some of the other stuff later on can be a bit finicky, but 
I, I like sort of the way that it tells the story that it's trying to tell. Um, you know, I didn't sort of, you know, I, I didn't really see where it was going, but eventually when things unfolded, I was like, yeah, that's pretty, pretty interesting. And so it's kind of cool to see where that team has come from and sort of how they evolved that idea of these, like, interacting with objects on a screen, like really basic stuff and just the different ways they can, they can, uh, like tell those sort of game mechanics and tie them into story elements. So, um, yeah, it's called Stories Untold. It's on the Epic Game Store. It's free at the moment to play. And if you like that, maybe check out uh, Observation. Or at least check out, like, if you're not sure about Observation, watch, like, uh, I don't know, like the first five minutes. See if that interests you. Um, if it does, then jump in, because I think it's it's really, it's a unique game. Like, you don't see stuff like that. I don't think. <laughs> so. No, I just brought it up now. I noticed there's a trailer as well, so... Yeah, better than. It looks. Oh, I thought it had uh, Xbox remotes on screen, but those must be PS4 DualShock mm. controls, rather. Yeah, not on my radar at all. But no, good to know. I actually added Stories Untold without even thinking about it today on autopilot. Like, just load up all my digital platforms. I'm like, free game. Yep, click, click, click. Didn't even read what it was. So, <laughs> I have it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's the same guy, Stories Untold, Observation. Uh, like, I think you can get a code of Observation, just hit up, you know, Devolver, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm curious. But man, so many so many games to play. Yeah. Not like you, you seem to have so few games to play. So many games to play. Yeah, no. Crazy. I still haven't finished Red Dead 2, man. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, my Xbox died for a while, but got fixed really quickly. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah to go back to that got to finish days gone yeah got to like properly get into horizon zero dawn because i'm in this open world trend and i feel like i really missed out there everyone keeps telling oh man you gotta go play that one don't finish days gone finish that i'm like so close though (laughs) so yeah i gotta go back to horizon i do love my open world games like for solo play you know when you just want to have one of those you got spare few hours like i want to play a game for a few hours i really want to get immersed yeah i'm really digging on yeah open world games for that hmm so it's good to have some in the bank, I guess. It's bad that I haven't played more of some of the better ones. Sorry, Horizon people. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for games, unless there's anything else you can think of. <laughs> no, no, that was, uh, was everything. We, we've gone on for a while. It's covered every game in yep. existence. <laughs> let's uh, let's go through some news quickly. Um, some surprising news. Sony and Microsoft have ended a partnership and are planning on collaborating on a new cloud-based solution for gaming experience and AI solutions as well pretty big it's weird isn't it to hear them go from like not being so opposed i mean last generation it was microsoft when it was winning saying no no no, we don't need uh, cross-platform play and sony going we're open to it to the script flip right yeah. we don't want cross we don't need cross-platform play security and all the bullshit and now the finally they've gotten to a place where they're like we, we everyone wins if we do this obviously they've got to make sure they've got things set up right in the back end but yeah, they, they get more people playing their games, man. Like, it's very pro-player. Yeah. So, that makes them look good. Yeah, I guess where this sort of ends up is, is you know, not not really known at the moment. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to be competing still on, on consoles and whatnot, but where this sort of evolves from, um, like, what they're going to be doing with these solutions, these cloud-based solutions and... And AI and whatnot. They they talked about they 
Sony is going to be using like the you know Microsoft's cloud-based solution, the Azure network, and working with that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, they've you know they've looked at what Google is planning on doing. Maybe they want Google eating up all their lunch, um, so they're going to start working together on some of this stuff, which is cool. It makes sense. And I mean, there's room. I'm pretty sure it's still rumors at this stage. Rumors that there's going to be an Xbox app on Nintendo Switch. Yeah. For like streaming games. I mean, it's already possible. It's already been done with what was it? Resident Evil in Japan, wasn't it on Switch? Right. Where you could stream it from the cloud. Like obviously the Switch wasn't up to spec to run the newfangled version, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, that that was an option. So the I mean the technology's also there, obviously, as long as you've got an internet connection that's good enough. Kind of a problem in Australia at the moment and hopefully until I don't know, whenever the MBN network finishes rolling out. I still don't have mine. <laughs> yeah. But like the theory is that like the next generation is dropping in 2020, right? The rollout's supposed to be finished in 2020. Obviously, there's problems outside of that with acceptable speeds and things like that. But assuming that all gets sorted out, it means that Australia can finally technically be on the map for these kinds of services. Whereas in the past, we've kind of been left by the wayside because what was that PlayStation one? Was it PlayStation Now or something? That was a streaming service for older, I think, PS1 and PS2 games off the top of my head. Like, we were never in consideration because across the board, our internet speeds were still, I'm pretty sure the average was closer to ADSL than it was to cable or MBN. Uh, And you've got to have decent infrastructure. So once it happens, yeah, it'll be good to be considered for this kind of things and not miss out on things like Amazon. If it's going to be good, we know Xbox is pushing for its streaming service. I think EA has said it's got a streaming service. The biggest problem is it's going to end up being like Netflix versus Stan and then insert every fucking body having their own. Like Disney's got one coming out. Like everyone wants to have their own bloody streaming service. Like that becomes the problem when you're paying for how many different services. That's why this whole thing started in the first place because nobody wanted to pay like 150 bucks for all the cable channels. (laughs) Yeah, right? And and now it's kind of resetting and everyone's getting a bit greedy. It's almost like, you know, how movies, every fucking movie IP wants to create its own cinematic universe because of the success of Marvel. It's like, oh, let's do it. But, like, if you haven't planned it around that, then it always is going to feel shoehorned. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know man. Like, I, I like the idea of – we talked earlier about mobile gaming and the problems with there not being enough good games and, like, the idea of being able to get on a bus and playing some – new gen game that i'm streaming on 5g internet or whatever like i like the idea of that um but yeah like there have been failures in the past what was that one i'm blanking on it oh i used to talk about it quite a bit but like geforce now is doing it but again not available in australia hmm. and there was one before that that was a spectacular play play on no something else anyways they they their whole thing was we have the high-end pc we're going to stream it to whatever device you want I think they were just too ahead of the time. Yeah. And they, they ended like up... Six or seven years too early. Yeah, they ended up going bankrupt. Um, but the like the premise still stands, I think. Same as like VR, you know. There's a reason Facebook bought VR. And I don't even think it was necessarily... Or bought Oculus. Because I don't think its idea was that the application was gaming. Gaming proves that the application has legs. But I think the real application of VR is, you know, concerts... 
holidays, uh, being able to watch sports as if you're sitting there kind of thing, like that level of immersion yeah. and gaming gaming as well. But I think that, yeah, if you want to sell VR to the mainstream, I don't think Facebook was like, this is gaming. We're all about gaming now. I think they're more interested in that longer longer play. Yeah, mm-hmm. streaming, streaming games. I like the idea of it, but I do worry already that there's going to be 15 of them by the time you know, the next gen rolls out and it's like, oh, so I've got to pay for my Xbox Live and then I've got to pay for fucking EA and then I've got to pay for Xbox Game Pass and I've got to pay for Sony's thing and it just becomes like me with my bloody video streaming services where I basically have every single one that you can get plus Hulu and I still am not able to watch everything somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I was going to say that... uh, I mean, we had that that PlayStation service where you could like stream it from your PlayStation or PC because we played a couple of games like that. Yeah, um, that's still up. Yeah, I still use that occasionally. Like if the TV's in use, but well, one of the two TVs, the people watching on Skype can see that, and they're probably getting jelly. I've been trying to block one with my head. There's <laughs> <laughs> two TVs. Uh, yeah, so that's actually that's kind of handy, you know. And even like it sounds silly, but you and me being able to talk on Discord instead yeah. of using PSN or whatever, like, was super convenient. Um, play, PlayStation 4 PS4 remote play yeah. I think I've got it installed yeah PS4 remote play same thing works on Xbox Xbox One app that's part of Windows 10 you can do it out of the box I've used that before yeah it's all good as long as it works as long as it works it's all bandwidth isn't it bandwidth yeah. and latency you don't want the input delay on the controllers no and that's always been the problem but for that you need fast internet and you need very good coding. But the fact that Amazon's interested in me, to me, means that it's viable. I mean, the fact that Microsoft has persisted for so long means it's viable, right? Like, I don't think they're going to keep talking about it if they don't really see the value in it or it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the last story we've got here, which is it's about Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, Pro League Season 9 finals run on the weekends at Milan in Italy. Um, I watched a bunch of it. I don't know if you watched any of it at all. I did. I uh, watched um, not the first lot. I watched Fnatic versus Empire. Team Empire was it? Uh, yeah, Fnatic versus Norarengo, which uh, Fnatic won that match in the quarterfinals, two zero. Mm. And then, uh, which were pretty close games. They both went into overtime. Um, and then the semifinals was Fnatic versus Team Empire from Russia yeah they lost the first map and then they won the second map pretty convincingly yeah and then they lost the third map pretty they got destroyed. Convincingly. so it was uh it was it was good it was it was up it was down but i'm glad it went to 2-1 it's just it was just a shame that it, it wasn't more like like you said the norango one where it was close 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 you know uh but like they did well they did well against what the second best team in the world uh well yeah i mean <laughs> team empire won that won the event so <laughs> yeah didn't they two, did they two zip or was it two one they two won evil geniuses yeah um but they were all pretty at least the first two games were pretty pretty close evil geniuses won the first match on bank which was uh, i believe believe it was their map and then um uh oregon went into overtime really good overtime uh was eight six to empire and then clubhouse again so this is the match that of the map that they played Fnatic on where they 7-0'd them, they went 7-3 against EG on this map. So this is like a 
Let's not play Empire and Clubhouse. Vote them out. <laughs> yeah, stop it's, playing it's, Clubhouse. It's like you don't play um, Fnatic on Border, <laughs> right? Isn't yeah, that Fnatic's like Fnatic's pretty good on Border? Uh, but I guess like all the all the top tier teams have more than one map that they they really dominate on, and you can only ban what one Certain each, amount. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but what happens at that point when you're EG and you're like, they just fucking stomped Fnatic seven zero on on uh, Clubhouse? Maybe we'll have a better shot at that. Unless you really back your play on Clubhouse, right? Or you've, yeah. you've kept your cards close to your chest and you've got something, then yeah, you'd be pretty intimidated and you do the safe ban on that. <laughs> but they mustn't have been confident on the other maps then, I guess. Yeah. But uh, um, it'd, be, it'd be good to see. I hope Empire, like, I mean, if Empire is going to be the contenders, I hope they get up and beat. Who's the world champs? G2. Yeah, because G2 G2's, didn't make it. They didn't. No, they got, uh, I think they got third. In the uh, in the qualifiers for their region, wow! This is what I mean. The world of Rainbow Six is is interesting. It's usually more interesting in the lead up to the World Cup in the last couple of years, at least. I, th- I think it was um, <coughs> EG was pretty much they won the first two, or maybe they dropped. No, I'm pretty sure they did, or they came second in the first year, or whatever way. And then uh, G two came along and just it was just basically all over. Although that first match that first year with G2, right? We were there for the Invitational hmm. and it went down to the wire on uh, the coastline, right? Yep. And that was a map that G2 hadn't really played though and that really showed that they were like, it doesn't really matter if you haven't fully prepped. It's just hmm. if you can adapt your strategy and that's where the meta kind of, the competitive meta shifted to that more. Like when your gunfights obviously is always important but also just like be ready to be reactive on the fly and don't be so reliant on a plan, have a plan, but yeah. anticipate that that plan will go out the window and be ready to roll with the fucking punches, right? Yeah, right. Um, they also revealed the new operators and the changes to Cafe. Um, so Cafe is getting a, uh, a rework. Um, they moved a bunch of walls, changed some of the layouts of the, the actual environment, which looks pretty cool and interesting. Um but uh, I guess the big the big new announcement is the new operators. So they've got two. Um, both of them, sorry, one of them is a is a defender. His name is Warden, um, which is basically a uh, he looks like a super spy, right? Yeah, it's a look <laughs> like James Bond. This is the first time I've seen a character where I think they're starting to take the piss a bit. You know? Yeah. Doesn't uh, look the terribly Australian grounded. guy was pretty. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically he's got this like uh, watch and glasses that he can interact with and um, it makes him be able to see through smoke when he's not moving um, and also he's got uh, glasses that will pre- prevent him from being flashed so sorry he'll get flashed but he's able to trigger this gadget and the flash will um, basically disappear so he'll be able to see through the flash which is which is really uh beneficial for some people and it's the other one as well if he has it active he's immune to the flash but right. if he gets flash without it active he can activate it to remove to the remove. effects of the flash yeah so you could use it proactively or reactively yeah and he's there's like a cooldown on it yeah and he's definitely designed as an anchor though because he's that three armor one speed so yeah. they they want him to play on site yeah or, or at least like fuck i don't know near a uh, a wall did you watch the clubhouse game with Fnatic, right? Where 
the, they had like one player all the time up in that sitting in the corner and he would just sit there forever like you could stick him on there and he couldn't get flashed <laughs> yeah it's gonna be interesting because i mean obviously he'll enter the game or the, these two new operators will enter the game but they don't enter the competitive Next. scene until the season after yeah, so season. we're going to start to see mozzie and uh gridlock yeah well, yeah enter the competitive scene like after well now basically now, right yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what that impacts in terms of the meta but the guy who's immune to flashes like that seems like, but like picking him would mean that you just wouldn't pick your operators who are flash heavy. So I'm wondering if that'll just sort of, yeah, it'll balance out. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens um, with that one. But the other one was the uh, attacker operator who is, I think it's pronounced knock. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's knock. Yeah, and it's a two armor, two speed operator who is basically like a vigil for the attackers. Um, yeah. Like a stronger vigil. Yeah, so uh, the attacker operator is immune to cameras. So when the gadget is deployed, uh, her gadget's deployed, it, it, it renders her invisible to cameras, whether it be um, the cameras on site in the map, whether it be uh, a, a camera gadget from some of the operators, because there's a bunch of operators that have different different uh, camera attachments. Um, so basically anything that's camera you won't see her on there anymore unless she is interacting with an object um then that'll distort her image a little bit so you'll be able to like a i don't know like it'll be a little bit pixelated i guess is the term to use um and again this is like a uh from what i understand it's a thing you trigger so it's got like a cooldown on it so you run around um in different is it a cooldown i think it's more like uh calves in that you can kind of manage it like it, it it has a meter that works its way down and if it hits zero then it has to fully reset but right. if you like kind of manage it on and off type thing i'm pretty sure you can like do it I, I do yeah that's that's my understanding from uh the video that yeah. they released explaining what uh, she does yeah yeah so uh yeah you sort of manage that and makes you invisible and whatnot but it's like this mind game thing of of she'll be able to move around the environment and people won't really know she's there, I guess. Yeah, so for like your camera heavy stuff with uh, Echo or Valk, it'll be be interesting. Or even if if Mozzie becomes, it's almost like they've anticipated that Mozzie's going to become a big part of the meta, which I think is pretty fucking safe. And they've already introduced like a counter for for, uh, the defenders having more uh, control over surveillance. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm looking... I think that she is uh, more interesting in terms of, like, the competitive meta than than he he is, the defender. Yeah, I think they're both pretty middle tier. Like, or, optional? Yeah, or at least, yeah. Whereas, uh, the, the you know, the gridlock... Um, gridlock's interesting. Mozzie's really interesting. Like, we'll see how they sort of play out in, in, uh, in pro games. Yeah, and the pick rate, like it's the most important thing, right? I'm struggling to like, what was the struggling to think of the last operator that was like essential from from the outset? Like Lion, probably, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, recently it's sort of been like Ash, um, like Mirror's getting a lot of bans still in. Pro yeah, Mirror's play. still an auto ban. Echo's pretty much on auto ban sometimes as well. Yeah. So your Intel Intel gathering. Yep. Uh, anyway, some good changes coming up. That'll be. Um, uh, are, are you getting some hands-on with this at some stage? 
I am tomorrow, yep. which I guess is today for people listening to this if it goes out on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to that. And I, hopefully, we'll have a chance to chat with uh, one of the players from Fnatic. Yeah. Talk about what well. happened. What the fuck went wrong? Talk about what happened, but also to talk about, you know, uh, what's going to be happening with the Aussie operators in the competitive meta now that they've had a while to play with them yeah. and also predictions, which I always love chatting to them about for these two new ops. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, all right. I think that's it. That's all we got. What? No, we've got another three hours, right? Oh, do we? Okay. Um, we could do that. We, I think we've got Job sent through an email. Oh, Hi, Job. But I don't know if we want to read it. Do you want to read it? I don't have it. No, I mean, like, I'm asking a question. Should we read it? Is it garbage? Um, have you not read it? I'm trying to find it. Oh. Here it is. It is uh, It's lengthy. That's not like Job. It's about Game of Thrones, though. He's very angry, it seems like. Well, we probably... You're not going to... He's got, probably got spoilers in there. Can't oh, the whole thing, yeah. He's talking about the ending. Oh, well, save that for... What is he sending an email about that for? He should be ranting about that on the next episode. He could be. But he's going to be very upset when he listens to three hours of this and we didn't read his email out. Well, that's why that we could keep be amazing, coming back though. for more. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so should we leave it then? Absolutely. Okay. So that was my choice, Job. Get wrecked. Yeah. That's what happens when Luke leaves it up to me. So without, without talking about spoilers, did you enjoy the ending? I did. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Oh, you got up to speed. Damn. I caught up in like three weeks, four weeks. Job said, you're never going to do this. You, fuck off. No, I was ready. So doable. We did um, like all six seasons before season seven came out. And that was like a few weeks. Like, I mean, I mean we had to be pretty dedicated, but we did it. Oh, yeah. it's They're 10 episodes a season. It's like 10 Except hours. the roughly. last two are like seven and six. So. Yeah, manageable. Yeah. It's got to See, be dedicated. For me, Job wasted eight years of his life. I only wasted three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that tells me he didn't enjoy it. I guess you'll have to listen, what, next week? Yeah. You going to be on next week? Yeah, yeah. I'll be around. Yeah? Work my magic. Easy. Um, all right, should we wrap things up then? Um, we could do that. Let's let's kick things off with uh, this podcast right here. It's called The Gap or The GA Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Windows Store, all of those wonderful places. Um, if you've got some time, please rate and review the show. It helps other people find it. Uh, like I said, iTunes, Android, Windows Store, Spotify. We're on YouTube as well these days, so check us out. Uh, if you want to send us emails like Job... Um, you can email us to gapodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our Discord page, which is the gapodcast.com slash Discord. We've got a bunch of channels up there, people playing games, uh, a lot of people playing things like The Division recently, um, still people playing Battlefield every once in a while. I'm not sure who that is. Yes. I think it's you. Very rarely these days. <laughs> Nobody plays with me anymore. It's boring by myself. Because <laughs> uh, we all got upset after fucking Firestorm. We're like, fuck that. I'm not touching them anymore. Fuckers. Yeah. Fucking dice. <laughs> fucking dice. Ruin everything. Um, you can also chat, chat about a bunch of different things on there. People, people talking about video games. Um, it's always good fun. Check out what people are saying and what being angry about. That's good. Uh, you can find us on social media, facebook.com slash GA podcast, twitter.com slash GA podcast, or you can go to our website, which is the It's got links to all the things we just talked about 
on the show on the website uh, including um, past episodes of the show if you want to go check them out like uh, the last time Nate was here on the eight hour extravaganza game it's of the year show half, wasn't it fucking hell wasn't Job was enough. upset that we didn't crack ten he wanted double digits I'm like you're a fucking nut <laughs> you're crazy yeah uh, and that is all thanks to our Patreon members if you want to help support the show you can go to patreon.com slash GA podcast support the show thank you to everyone that does it every month we greatly appreciate it uh, helps us pay the bills uh, a couple days ago I just renewed our domain and uh, and uh, renewed our um, our website so at least another year of this you've got you've got going on so Woo! thank you for everyone that does that and I think that is it is there anything you want to pimp out for your show or your writing uh, you pre-pimped I'm glad that we pre-pimped uh, yeah could just rewind to the beginning of the show and listen to that I don't want to repeat it yeah. what about uh, any writing you got any writing going on yeah, you read K-Zone magazine if you're a kid or one of those weird adults that still collects that mag, full respect. <laughs> I write all the games pages in that. And uh, Stack Magazine of late, which you can find my articles on the website backdated or the digital version of the magazine that's free in store, you can find on their website and flick through to find me writing about PC gaming hardware and games. Nice. Uh, and I think I've got some stuff coming up on IGN soon, but that's about it. Yeah, I've been pretty pretty quiet apart from that. Yeah, cool. Um, you're going to E3, though. Your first E3. My first E3 ever. Yeah. I'm telling you what, man. Fucking organizing schedules is a massive pain in my ass. <laughs> oh, man. Is it full yet? No, I'm surprised. I was like under the impression that if you hadn't locked shit in like three months in advance, then you basically just have to beg people to let you in. But no. I mean, there's a couple of games that have been like, it's full. And I'm like, you suck. Um <laughs> But I've been told that by veterans uh, that you can usually just rock up and people yeah. drop out and get your name put on a list or get them to text you. So I'm not too worried about that as long as I leave the, the gaps. But uh, yeah, I've already locked in a bunch of stuff. I also want to like I want to see stuff across my publications, which covers everything from kids games through yeah. to mainstream games. And then I'm also touching hardware. So there's quite a bit. It's going to be very busy once it gets busy. I think my Tuesday to Thursday is pretty much going to be back to back. It's going to be cardio days and I hate cardio. So right. lots of running as long as you leave like a 15 minute window between each appointment nope Otherwise, haven't done that you're in fu- you're, yeah you're fucked <laughs> so my thing will be to map it out on the Monday yeah. and figure out where I've got to go and if I've got to leave 10 minutes early to run somewhere and I don't love that game I'm a leave <laughs> yeah uh, I'll ask you some questions have you hmm have you heard anything about Cyberpunk yet? Because last year they sent out appointments directly through their, through their website. And I don't think I've seen it this year. Yeah, it's there. I've already got my appointment for that. Through their website? Um, or through someone else? Because well, once you sign up for E3 and you get registered as media, you get sent all the invites. So yeah, they, they approached me. Oh, oh no, they, right. actually, no, they didn't. No, Namco local yeah. organized it. And then Namco. there was a website for me. to. They sent me a website to go to. Right. And I signed up through that. I was honestly expecting it to be full, but there was still plenty of slots. Yeah. So I slotted in. Um, I'm just really, yeah, interested in that game. Hopefully right. they give away figurine again. Huh? Huh? That'd be good. Maybe it's the same as last year's. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's still going for, what, 900 bucks on eBay, man. What? Uh, how many How many games do you have on your list at the moment that are unannounced titles that they've told you the names of? That they have told me the names of? Yeah. Or have they, or have they told you they're unannounced games and we're not going to tell you what it is? Have you got some of those? 
Yeah, I haven't got any of the other one. I haven't got any where they're like, oh, actually, no, that's not fair. There's some that have said like unannounced title. Yeah. Uh, but like a lot of it's just, you know, uh, Xbox block off two hours for hands-on, you know, or your your session and, and same thing with Ubisoft. Um, but then the individual appointments. I don't know. There's not so many surprises at the yeah. moment. Because like they've I- done the, the ones in the past where they've been like, oh, this is the, un- it's an unannounced David Cage game or like uh, this is like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. We haven't announced it yet. Surprise cat. <laughs> um, there he is. But yeah, sometimes they're like, they'll tell you the game but like don't tell anybody this is coming out but at that stage everyone knows like there's a new Call of Duty coming yeah, yeah I mean it's usually pretty safe to assume there's a Call of Duty game coming right yeah um, have they not officially announced that yet no I thought they'd said that they were going to be talking about it in at a certain point no I mean there was the news recently like this week that uh, Sledgehammer is not working on the next Call of Duty Treyarch's taken over and Sledgehammer has been pushed This to one? Or the one that's coming next? Right, okay. I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I had heard rumblings. I didn't read up on it. Someone did mention that to me, though. Um, mm. It'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, yeah. if what, what's changed, what's different, whether they've gone crazy or... Yeah, or it, it kind of sounds like, if that's the, tri- the case, it sounds a lot like Modern Warfare 3, right? That thing where, like, ha- the studio half makes it and then lots of people leave, so they've got to... I've got to get help in to finish it off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you have fun. It uh, should be should be good. I'm interested to hear your thoughts when you come back. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, I think I will. Like, I've always enjoyed Gamescom, but Gamescom is always, like, similar. Like, you run. You go back-to-back appointments and you run and you either leave early or you hope that they're the kind people who make it a half-hour session, but it's actually like 20 or 25 minutes. And, and they're running 10 minutes late. <laughs> you de- definitely hope that doesn't happen because there'll definitely be some triage, you know, um, triage rather. It'll be like, uh, how much do I love this game? Not enough. I'm just going to miss it and deal with the wrath of a PR person going, why didn't you turn up for this game that probably isn't that big a deal? Sorry, PR person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rightio. All right. I think that is it. Um, you can find me at twitter.com slash Luke Laurie if you want to check out some of my things that I talk about. Not a lot, but anyway. Uh, I think that is it. Nate, thanks very much for filling in for for your old boy Jobo. Massive couldn't, boots. Impossible to fill. Couldn't be here. Um, I'm disappointed that we didn't hit the four hour mark, to be honest. So what did we get up to? Th- like three. Probably around about three. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, that's that's pathetic. That's what that is. Um, but we'll get you on again, maybe after E3. Maybe find out what you're... Yeah, it'll be like, all right, here's Nate to talk about E3 for five hours. I'm like, I'll play this, I'll play this, and this sucks, and i like that. <laughs> yeah. Good times. All right, man. Thanks very much. Catch everyone later.